Welcome back to Comic Book Workshop. It's a podcast about the craft of making comics. I'm Jason Hammonds, and I am not an expert. I know, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to learn all I can from uh, those who do it best. On this episode, I chat with writer Ryan K. Lindsay. You'll know Ryan's work from books like Beautiful Canvas, Negative Space, and his upcoming books Everfrost and Black Beacon. We get deep on this freaking episode. It's one of my favorites that I've done in recent memory. I mean, they're all... Uh, I can't, you can't choose your kids. You can't choose your, your, your favorite podcast episodes. But I think this is a, a really unique one. Um, you know, we, we get into not only his, you know, philosophy on writing comics, his, you know, experiences and his career and stuff like that. But uh, Ryan was also really candid about some of the, you know, more difficult lessons that he's learned in his career. Um, and I, I really appreciated that. You know, we, we talked about his experience at the um, DC talent writing workshop, whatever they called that thing, the, the sort of program for, you know, up and coming writers. And, uh, you know, he, he got into some of the details about, you know, kind of why he felt that his experience with that wasn't necessarily um, a super positive one, but then kind of came out of it, you know, learning more about himself as a writer and about sort of what he wanted to do with his career. Um, and so it was a, an amazing conversation, you know, and we, we talk a lot about uh, just the process of developing, you know, this book Everfrost, which he's got coming out from uh, uh, Black Mask um, with Sammy Cavilla as the artist who he's worked with before on, on you know, his books like Beautiful Canvas and Dear Editor. Um, it's an, they're an amazing creative team, and I am so excited to keep seeing books from them. And I've read the first issue of Everfrost, and it is fantastic. I mean, you can hear me in this interview, like glowing about it. Um, truly, like it, it would be hard for me to find a bad thing to say about it. I, I think it's so great, it's so fun, um, and really, really rich with ideas and world and and I mean, just really awesome stuff. I I think you should all check it out. Um, but yeah, wonderful episode. Ryan's an amazing guy. Um, you know, he's in Australia, and so it's always like I, I feel very bad for. Uh, you know, how much sort of schedule Tetris that Australian people have to do when they're working in American comics. Um, because, you know, they'll end up either up in the early, early hours of the morning to try and get someone, you know, uh, uh, in the middle of their day, or they'll be, you know, up way late at night. Um, but it was a really wonderful interview, and, and I love talking to Ryan. Um, and, and I think you'll all enjoy this episode. I think there's so much uh, uh, to learn here, and, and particularly for writers, but I think for anyone else, you know, for anyone making comics, I think there's a lot in this episode uh, to, to learn and, and kind of take with you. Um, but uh, uh, outside of that, let's, let's, I don't know, let's catch up, talk a little bit. Um, oh, and, and the dog is shaking off. She just woke up from a nap, and, and she's going to go and get herself some water. She's a little thirsty. Um but uh, uh, anyway, I, I just barely last night as I'm recording this um, made a deadline to submit uh, a pilot that I wrote uh, for a competition by literally the last minute. Um, I found out about the competition the day before it ended. Um, and I you know had a pilot that I was uh, most of the way through writing. I still had, you know, another probably a quarter of it left to write. Um and so I, I saw that like as I was about to go to bed on Thursday night, uh, and then on Friday I had a full day of meetings at work, and as uh, and so I woke up a little bit early, um, and you know tried to to do as much as I could before work, and then after work it was just like, you know, 
just straight up writing from when work ended until you know the minute uh, that the competition closed. It was nice because it, it closed at midnight Pacific time, um, and I am on the East Coast, and so uh, for me that was 3 a.m., uh, which was nice because it gave me a little bit more wiggle room. Um, I, and I guess it would have been the same if I was on it, you know, but it felt like more wiggle room. You know what I mean? It feels like you're cheating somehow when it's like 3 a.m. and you're submitting something, even though it's like technically, you know, closing at midnight, but it's midnight Pacific time. So you get a little, you know, you're you're a you're a day in the future, but you're still submitting for the day past. It's it makes you feel like a bad boy. Um, but it was it was really uh, challenging, you know, because one of the things that I really had to do was there were like a couple of scenes that I had sort of just put, you know, TK, TK, like I'll come back to that later when I'm doing like another pass at this script and can kind of like figure out how I want this scene to be structured. You know, I know the beginning, like I know what goes into it and I know what comes out of it, but I don't exactly know how I want that to go. Um, and so I had to go in, you know, with kind of a time crunch and like, really just be like, okay, what do I need this to be? What's the most engaging and entertaining way to make this happen? And just like really writing on pure gut, like just, okay, I know this is, you know, like I need to, this is what feels right in the moment. This is what feels funny right now, like whatever. Um, and also just like all of these little things where like, you know, a character's name kind of changed halfway through the script. And I just had a note of like, okay, go back and like change that later, which like, again, you know, if you're like really in, the process, right? If you're if you're scripting something, uh, and you're making notes for yourself, because personally, I find it very counterproductive to t- to give myself notes while I'm scripting, right? If I'm finding something that's not working, I'm gonna change it going forward, and then in the next draft, I will change whatever I had already written that I wasn't liking, uh, because I just I want to keep moving, I want to keep that momentum, and I find that editing while I'm writing is just counter to. Uh, uh, momentum it's counter to productivity um, and it's not the right mindset to be in. you shouldn't be second guess at least for me I I don't want to be second guessing what I'm writing as I'm writing it Um, and so I try to do whatever I can to to uh, work with that and part of what's a necessary component of that to me is to leave notes for myself for what I need to go back and change later so that I can just write it down and then forget it Um, and so it was really handy for this because you know I'm on a time crunch I can't I didn't have time to read through the entire script again, which I really wish I did. I wanted to be able to have the time to, you know, basically print out the script, go in with, you know, a red pen and read through every single page and find the things that I wanted to change and fix before I submitted. But I didn't end up with that time. Uh, And so having that list of notes for myself came in really handy because in the matter of like a half hour after I, you know, put end of pilot on the page, like I was able to go through and say, okay, like I needed to change this name to this name. Let's control F, replace all, like, you know, all of that stuff going through, going through, making sure that like, you know, spelling was all right, punctuation, all that stuff. Um, And it was really cool. And there were like a couple of scenes within that time that, you know, because I had, I had left those notes for myself, I was able to go into a couple of scenes that I wanted to rework just a little bit, right? Like the, the emotional charge of the ch- of the scene wasn't changing enough over its course, right? Like they, it's a thing it, for for people who might not know. Like a, a thing that's talked about a lot is that any scene that you are writing, you want the emotional charge coming into the scene to be different from that coming out of the scene. Um, and the more the higher the contrast is there, which you know we've talked about contrast a lot before, but the higher the contrast is there, the more clearly it communicates whatever the change in that moment is. Obviously, stories are about change on a macro and a micro level, and so the more you can communicate change, the more your story is is you know sending its message or accomplishing its goal. Um, 
and so there were a couple of scenes that I felt and, and that, you know, like my, my writing mentor also felt did not have that, um, contrast as strong as it could. Um, and so I was able, you know, with some of that time to go back in and just really quickly kind of rework a few lines of dialogue here and a few there, um, and help really like amp up the, the drama and the, you know, tension and, and in some cases like the, the comedy, like, I don't know, it was really cool. And it was, it was fun to like, I mean, it's been a while since I've written in a, in a really deadline oriented fashion. You know, I've, I've mostly been doing that in like design work lately where I've like really had to like squeeze, you know, polished and finished designs out of myself with, with a short amount of time. Um, and so doing it with writing was, was a nice change of pace. Uh, and was just awesome. It's exhilarating. And like truly the fact that, and, and also here's the other thing I was submitting it a, a minute before the deadline for submissions was closing and what I didn't realize was going to be there, and it's probably my mistake, I'm sure it said it somewhere, uh, is they also wanted a logline. And loglines aren't my thing. I'm bad with loglines. I can, if you give me like a minute, you know, I can tell you why a story is good. I can tell you why whatever I've written, I can, I can, I can sell you on it, generally. I, I, I do okay with that. But a logline is just not my forte, you know, condensing the, the value of a story and the, the, um, meat of it into two sentences of like, why is this a story that is interesting inherently? Um, and so I, I had, you know, like a couple of minutes to like try and come up with like a concise log line that communicated, you know, the, the character, the goal, the conflict slash you know obstacle uh and and the you know core emotional relationship and i don't think i did it to be honest like i don't think i i put a good log line there but like the stress and panic of like looking at the clock and seeing that it was you know 258 uh and that i had to put something in there and and like wondering if like the value of the log line was going to determine whether or not my script is getting read by people uh it was just like a weird emotional state to be in but i'm happy with the work i'm happy you know that that it sort of it forced me to you know get that done quicker than i otherwise would have i was already like on track and and planning to have it finished by uh wednesday of next week but like it was, it was just nice to sort of get that kick in the pants to like, nope, you're doing it now. You're, you're going quicker. Um, and so now I have this entire week to kind of, you know, read through it methodically and like, you know, hone in on some things and, and, and bring some things out and, and improve it. Um, you know, because this contest wasn't a thing that I was planning on submitting it for, you know, I wasn't really, uh, expecting to go out to competitions, but I felt like it was just something to do and, and something that would, you know, potentially be helpful. Um, and so now I'm excited to like go back in, revise it, you know, do some work on it and then, you know, send it out to people and, and see what happens. But also at the same time, like go back into some comics work uh, and, and have some fun with that. So that was really cool. And, and another thing to tie it into something that I wanted to talk about a little bit today um, is is something that I the specific phraseology comes from um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who were the uh, producing and writing team behind like Spider-Verse, as well as the directing and writing team behind the Lego movie and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and, and like 21 Jump Street. Um, I There are people that I really, really admire as, as creatives and as collaborators. I think that they do a very good job with um, clear, concise, emotional storytelling. Uh, and something, a term that they use a lot is, is writing in open mode and editing in closed mode. And that's something that helped me a lot writing that pilot. It's something that helps me a lot in my writing for comics. It's something that helps me a lot, even in like drawing to some degree, you know, you start to abstract these things. And, and I've talked before about how I equate, 
you know, outlining with sketching and I equate, you know, scripting with penciling and, and all, you know, on down the line. Um, or, you know, so it, it, anyway, um, the, the whole philosophy behind write in open mode and edit in closed mode is that, you know, like I was saying before, you want to, you know, put your ideas on the page in as, as, uh, open, accepting and, and, um, you know, welcome a fashion as possible, right? You do not want to be a critic when you're getting your ideas out on paper, because all that will do is, I mean, really, it'll just, it'll keep you from ever finishing anything, right? Like we all, I think anyone at any time, their taste generally is going to um, eclipse their ability. And I know that for myself, I know that like, the things that I write are not up to what my taste level is. And all I can ever try and do is is write as honestly as possible in the hopes of accomplishing something that 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 you know is up to where my taste is. Um, and I'm not even saying that I have good taste, truly. Uh, you know, but but you you want to be as open as possible, and you want to accept all the ideas that are coming, whether you're working with a collaborator or whether you're working with yourself. You cannot be sitting there and second guessing everything. You just have to you you know it's the improv thing. It's the yes and. It's it's be open and willing to let new ideas have their moment and don't shut them down. Right, and that's why you know your first draft should be long. It should probably be bloated, like you know, and, and like we were talking about before, writing your initial sort of like spit out, like, you know, outline or whatever, like just make it fucking not make sense. Truly. Like just, just write the shittiest version of it you possibly can and don't second guess yourself. And then once you're done, once you've gotten from beginning to end, once everything is there, once you've got a giant hunk of clay or marble or whatever to sort of whittle away at, that's then the time that you can start closing down and saying, okay, what sucks, right? Like, I don't like this. I don't like this. This isn't working. This thing's pretty good, but this thing next to it is really bad and it's making that good thing look bad. Like whatever all of those things are, that's when you start going. Don't don't let your editor, you know, like like if if you're a comic book writer, you know, you're writing for, you know, I don't know, DC, Marvel, whatever. Uh, uh, and if while you were scripting, your editor was standing over your shoulder being like, oh no, that character, uh, they're, they're in another place. They can't do it. Um, this person's in space, so that, that won't work. Um, oh, this person's the president of the United States right now, so that's not going to happen. You know, like uh, that one's in prison. Like that villain is already in this story. That kind of shit. Like if they're just standing over your shoulder while you're trying to come up with a new story, you're never going to get anywhere, right? But if you give them, like if you write your entire story, send it to your editor and they send you back the notes that say, oh, this person's here, this person's that, whatever, like you can't do this. Then you can take what you already have and try and make it fit in with those new challenges presented, you know, but it's, it's like trying to run an entire obstacle course at one time, right? Like each of those obstacles come after another. They aren't all in the same exact geographic location. It would be physically impossible. Um, and so I, I don't know, that, that's, that's kind of the thought. It's something that I find really helpful it's something i try to always keep in mind it's just like your editor has no place in a first draft um you know so don't don't let that that part of your mind invade your creative space you know let that come in and help you hone in on what you're trying to accomplish but but don't don't open the door too soon to that guy um and that's i don't know that's that's about it for today uh hope that that was edifying and uh helps you as much as it helps me oh and if if you want to like hear more about lord and miller talking um story there's a great youtube video you can find it was a lecture they gave um at bafta so if you just you know go on youtube and search bafta lord miller it'll come up it's like I think it's like two hours long or something like that. It's either an hour or two hours and I can't remember. Um, but it's, it's really engaging. It's an hour and a half. There we go. Um, 
but it's really engaging. It's really uh, an amazing sort of outline of like how they collaborate together um, and how they kind of bring out the best in each other and 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 make work that at least to me almost always resonates and I find is very effective. Um, and they also talk about little things like that stories are about relationships, you know, and 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 you know the the uh, listening to the suggestions of of anyone being open to ideas and and allowing ideas to live like. It, there's really, really awesome stuff there. And, and it, of course, they're talking about it in, in, you know, mostly in the sense of writing movies. But I think that a lot of the stuff is universal. It translates to comics and it also translates outside of comics. Um, so, you know, look it up if you're if you're curious about learning something f- about the writing process. Um, I often revisit that video while I'm drawing or especially when I'm coloring. I just find it very inspirational and there's always stuff that I forget from it. Um, so, yeah, th- there's there's your tidbits for today. Um that's two weeks in a row that I've recommended something on YouTube. Wow. And, uh, you know, before we get into the interview, uh, let me uh, introduce you all or remind you all, depending on how long you've been listening, uh, about our friends at Garm. They're the graphic artist resource merchant, and they are providing the tools to help your Photoshop and Procreate work uh, be more tangible. Give it a little more depth and, and, and make it feel just, uh, you know, slightly feel that artist's hand in your work. Um, Garm provides amazing kits. You know, if, if, if you're a digital artist and you want to kind of add some some depth, add some, you know, I mean, if you, even if you're looking for like Zipatones and stuff like that, um, then they are a great tool to use. Um, I like the Rawhide kit. I've talked about it a bunch. Go ahead and check it out. Um, if you go to garmcompany.com slash TMBC, you can get 20% off your order. Uh, and also, you know, that lets Garm know that, hey, this this uh, little train over here, it's it's worth uh, continuing to, to feed the coal into. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, you, sometimes you go for a metaphor and you, you just don't hit it. And I think that's two episodes in a row that I've really just lost it on the metaphors. Um, maybe I'm tired. Anyway, uh go check out Garm, support them. They're great. I love them. Um, and just a quick reminder, follow the show at TMBC Workshop. You can follow me at Jason Halftones and follow Ryan at Ryan K. Lindsay. Without further ado, though, let's, let's just get right on into the interview with Ryan K. Lindsay. And I am here with Ryan K. Lindsay. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. It's awesome. Of course. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to have you on. Of course, we are uh, talking today because you've got uh, a, a couple of new stories coming out. Uh, you've got Everfrost coming up uh, from Black Mask. And then, uh, as, as I just learned uh, when we were talking beforehand, yes. you also got another on... on or uh, upcoming story with heavy metal. Yes, um, yeah, Black, very Black Beacon with uh, Sebastian Perez as my co-creator, and um, yeah, oh. we're kicking off in uh, issue three oh six, which comes out in May. Which is um, I'm super yeah. pumped for everybody to see Sebastian's art on this one. He is dynamite. He's so good. He's one of my favorite uh, artists to follow, um, and I, I, I'm excited to talk about all this. I before we sort of you know get in and backtrack and kind of paint the picture of Ryan K. Lindsay, but I, I, I want to touch on Everfrost first, you know, and then and come back to it a little bit later. But tell me a little bit about Everfrost and, and for the listeners as well, where 
what what was sort of shaken around in your head as you're writing this story and, and what's the story about? Yeah, Everfrost is a four-issue miniseries that I have uh, written with Sammy Cavella on art and Sammy and I have done a bunch of things together and uh, we're releasing through Black Mask, which is where we put uh, Beautiful Canvas, our last collaboration. Hell yeah. And it's this sort of like big sci-fi pseudo-fantasy story about Van Louise. So she's a, a scientist that's living in the sort of barren Arctic tundra of the far north of mm-hmm. a very future Earth. Um, and she's looking to get off planet. And um, as she starts to meddle around with science up there, she starts to come up with a way to um, do it, which starts her on a bit of a, a journey to um, get what she needs to be able to leave. But, of course, when we look for what we need, we kind of find everything else and sometimes we find things we would never want to find and so uh there the story explodes and it's it's a fun story in that it plays with sort of like elements that i love which is like sci-fi sort of mashed up with something else um which in this case is kind of like fantasy and there's kind of like just heartbreaking emotion and so taking van on this 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 character arc of um internal unpacking is is something that to do with Sammy is amazing because that guy does uh, like character acting on the page like nobody else. I love oh my his God. stuff. And this book is so. I mean, I you know I've I've now read it through twice because there's so much in it that I can't get nice. out of my head. And it's like I mean it's it's gorgeously illustrated. the The pacing is something I found uh, really interesting to read because I one thing I noticed and I think this is something that's that's been consistent in a lot of your work, but I find that there is a, you pack a lot of punch in most of your single issues. Truly. Like I, I find oh, that there's thanks, generally a lot of content there. Um, but I also find that you're, you're finding real opportunities to let, let the art kind of breathe. And it feels like, and I don't know if it's conscious or, or if it, you know, feels like something that you don't necessarily think about, but is that something that as you're writing a story, that you're consciously thinking about is like how to sort of let there be, you know, a, a, a contrast of experiences that Sammy can kind of have room to like breathe and expand and sort of like let the art, you know, show off. And then also moments where you're kind of going a bit more moment to moment and, and all that. Yeah, definitely. I think letting, I think that's something I've learned and continue to learn as I, as I write things and uh, having worked with Sammy so many times now, this is our fifth collaboration right. that I'm learning how to get out of his way more and more and how to sure. not feel that that writer stamp that many writers feel like and don't get me wrong i, I throw some words on the page i, I don't mind right. but um oh yeah but knowing when not to and i think that ebb and flow um i think that, that, that whole concept of pacing and visual balance is is why comics is such an awesome medium in which to tell a story and right. so working with your artist to sort of figure out ways to to get out of their way and allow their talent to shine and my favorite time to do that is when they're letting emotion um shine on the page and i think sammy right finds those beats and just like digs so deeply into them so no thank you uh that's like a huge compliment for me cheers no totally yeah absolutely it's it's really interesting because i just i find so often i mean like you know and i i, I like you're a writer who definitely will will give someone a lot of dialogue and, and allow a lot of characterization in that dialogue and i find that with so many writers there there will end up being a um a sort of claustrophobia to the page uh, yes. that, that sometimes is not intentional where like the dialogue can just fully overshadow things and kind of engulf, you know, the art and, and not let the story breathe. But there's, you know, it just, it seems like you, you guys are finding such interesting ways to allow it to complement and breathe with the art. And I, I guess also part of what I'm wondering is like, are you thinking about the 
or or even just how much are you thinking about the layout of the page as you're writing the script or do you tend to try and just like write the story as it lays and then let you know sammy figure out how to lay that stuff out and, and and pace it it becomes a bit of both so i i definitely when i plan out my my issue i'll do like that um, what's on each page sort of beat. And I think about what right. the, each two pages will look like together as like a, a spread. Um, and so mm-hmm. you sort of want to think about where are the action beats, where are the not action beats, how many emotional like uh, bombs do you drop, all that sort of stuff and, and where are the page turns naturally. Right. Um, so I try to find that pacing. And then as I go through that, I also look at density of page. So how many panels am I mm. writing? Um, can I use that to sort of build to a crescendo moment to really earn a splash page, stuff like that? Sure. Um, if there's a lot of words, can I find some quieter beats later on? So I always find it's like trying to find complementary flavors to put within there and then you work with someone like right. um lauren aff who does the exact same thing with the colors you're ramping up emotion in scenes you're building oh to color changes um and really working with that across the page and it becomes that's why uh, the, the right. collaboration of comics i think is phenomenal because you have yeah me and sammy and then lauren and then um jim campbell on letters all finding this right. way to do what we do to our very best and um yeah. you just hope like the the end result is 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 like a band just like just smashing it on stage all all in the groove but it's it's definitely totally. something i think about but the flip side to that is sammy knows every script i send him is like uh, uh here's what i think should happen but you you're you're <laughs> right. the master like you you are the visual guy so he will take pages sure. and um flip them around a little bit or merge scene um, panels or more often than not, he'll break them into more panels um, for himself just because right. he wants to get the motion or he wants to get that side glance down um, from memory in the script. I had um, van was uh, introduced on the th- third page and Sammy mm-hmm. put her onto the second and it was definitely the, the, the better choice. Um, so right. stuff like that will happen and, and Sammy will do it and send it through to me uh, like in the thumbnails and so we go back and right. forth a lot on these things, but his his sense of timing, um, I feel, works really well with sort of like how I like to pace and time a thing. And he knows when to uh, tweak me a little bit, and he knows when sure. we've we've got it right straight from the start. And I'll tell you what, one thing I really um, for for whatever I, I always find it very effective in uh, comics the you know s- like single page opener followed by like a a large double yeah. page spread. Yeah. And of course, I, I read this, you know, digitally as the issue hasn't uh, come out yet. And I cannot wait to pick it up in a store to like, you know, look yeah, at that and just see open. sort of, you know, there's really amazing imagery. And 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 I love that that chance to sort of play with the pacing visually. Right. Yeah. And, and let a moment sort of punch you. Um, but in this 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 story is, I you know, for anyone listening, if, if you haven't uh, uh, gotten the word about Everfrost yet, it's a very, very like it's it's such a blend of so many things that i really enjoy you know like you've got kind of like crazy creatures in space and there's sort of like this post-apocalyptic element to it and like talking you know animals and like you know the arctic scenario like there's just so many interesting things being combined here in a way that doesn't feel um kitschy and i, I guess part of what i'm wondering in that you know to sort of uh, turn just uh, heaping praise into a question but uh <laughs> w- w- what were some of your as you're you know sort of tossing this idea around and, and shaping this story were there any sources of inspiration that you were going to that that helped kind of inform all of these different elements that you seem to be blending here 
Oh, yeah, this is, I, I feel like the longer I work with Sammy, especially the more like the melting pot just sort of like grows. So one of the first things we did, Chum, um, was just this like real straight up noir story. And it was just like, all right, this mm -hmm. is me taking old pulp paperbacks and just putting it onto a beach and just telling this story. And then we did Deer Editor, which is like the editor of a newspaper who's also a deer. And I was like, all right, it's a very straight <laughs> world. Um, but then there's this one weird tweak within there. And it was very like 70s crime movie and it's very Chinatown, all the president's men type inspired. Um, whereas then right. Beautiful Canvas became like a few funky things that we'd put together. And there was like a bit of action movie in there, but also like a bit of uh, sort of like that, that um, uh, Cronenberg career transition between his like body horror into his action, but he was still doing, you know, a bit of both. Right. Um, and yeah. so there was a lot of that in there. Whereas with Everfrost, we've just sort of gone bigger. We're like, all right, let's, let's really like do a whole new world. And so, we're, we're sort of taking inspiration from like giant tropes, which is kind of fun, but also like little things like, um, like Lady Snowblood was kind of like the, uh, that was the visual impetus that was rattling in my head when I discovered the character. And you can see where it like well sure. distanced from that manga, but it's where we started. And something like Philip K. Dick becomes a really big, um, inspiration for me as he kind of always has been in that it's like weird. Right interstellar type cosmic type ideas but ultimately it's character study um and i think that that's what i try to make shine through all of my stories i always like when you read a philip k right. dick novel it's like no this guy's seeing god in the sky or you know this guy is a, a, an intergalactic tv star but really you read yeah. it and you're like oh you're on like your second divorce right now and i can see that shining through <laughs> and it's like really obvious if you know yeah. enough about him to like chart where he was when he wrote stuff and i kind of totally. always want that to undercut stuff but then i was thinking a lot about like John Ford, The Searchers, stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. Just trying to think about how we interact with environment. Um, and sure. someone had sort of pointed out recently, like we're talking about a snow planet. Is there a climate change aspect to that? And I'm like, well, yeah, not on the nose. There's not, but it definitely, there's it's an there. element in the story that the, the world hasn't been treated well. And so now the world is not right. necessarily treating us well anymore. So it's taking all of those things and and with Everfrost, especially just sort of going, all right, how do we really dial it up to 11 on the front burner? Whereas beautiful canvas, we kind of right. just like let all the weird simmer in the background. Um, sure. With this one, it's just like, no, 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 let's, let's go big. And so we got citadels on like snow-capped mountains and we've got like decapitated heads being transplanted onto weird like <laughs> scorpion robot bodies and just like just really swinging for the bleachers because I figured, well, if we're going to yeah. be if we're going to be in this future landscape, why not within reason? Because I'm always aware whatever I try to cook up, Sammy has to draw. <laughs> so I'm like, let's not let's not make it so like intricately nasty that he has to try to like work out how that lives and breeds and moves for like 10 pages. So it's, right. it's a matter of me um, just letting the creativity completely go like unbridled kind of just to see right. what happens. Because for me, it's not, it's not an homage to sort of anything. Whereas a lot of my work, you can kind of, I, I know at least I was thinking of this thing as like the beating heart of this story. Whereas with Everfrost, it was just like, no, let's 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 create something really ourselves, which was which was kind of fun yeah. to do. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's so it's so cool. And and I was talking with a collaborator about this earlier today, but just that you know the sort of idea in these types of genre stories that you know you can 
especially I think comics does this well talking about sort of that this is a this is a medium where you don't have time for for shit you know like yeah. this is a medium where you kind of have to get to the point yeah and one of the benefits of that is that that will inherently create a a world and a universe that feels much more lived in because like you just really like you, you kind of have to be like yeah here's you know like mm. here's this crazy thing but that's not what the story's about so we're just gonna let you know that that's there as sort of window dressing and set dressing to kind of set stuff up yeah you can imagine how that thing got there and like what happened there but we're gonna talk about that you know like yeah and i love that in sci-fi where it's just like you know some of the greatest words ever written in fiction are, are there's no time to explain and i think yeah. that like that's you know so so evident here especially visually where it's like we're just seeing all of this rich stuff that that hints at such a you know like amazing context around it and, yeah. and sort of lets the reader be a more active participant in the experience by kind of letting their imagination figure out sort of some of those other tertiary elements to the world completely and that's something that i i internally debate and sometimes externally debate constantly um <laughs> and i know that i like to err on the side of you'll figure it out I need you to know who Van is. I need you to know where she's going, all these sorts of things. I hopefully need you to know why. Um, But other stuff, either I want to obfuscate for story reasons, so there's a few things that we sort of leave off the table, um, or ultimately for me, like, I I believe, like, it doesn't matter if it's a background thing. I can – so I I wrote a book, Headspace, that I uh, worked Mm -hmm. with Sebastian. He did, the the, like, the B-plot, and Eric Zavadsky was the main artist. And in right. it, it's about a, it's about Carpenter Cove, which is this small town that we come to realize is within the mind of a killer. And so uh, Shane Garrity is the sheriff of this town. He doesn't remember how he got there, and he has to try to like get out of this killer's mind because the killer's mind is now besieging Carpenter Cove and trying to wipe this mental incursion out. And I had someone um, right. come up to me at a con, and they were like, "So how is there a town in their mind?" And I was like, oh, you know, like the, the, you read the story, the government put it in there. And they were like, yeah, yeah, no, but but how? How did the government put it in there? And I was like, who cares? Like, it's obviously it like that can't happen. Yeah. And they were like, well, you wrote yeah. it. You must know. And I was like, yeah, I did. I put it in the story. I said it was a pseudoscience Wi-Fi hive mind experience. Is that not enough? Yeah. And the person kind of looked at me, <laughs> still bought what was on my table. So I was like, all right, I haven't completely like pissed you off. But I was right. like, you don't necessarily need to have the 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 literalness of things unpacked i think there's yeah there's different ways to do it and i was actually chatting with um erica schultz who's a, an amazing mm-hmm. writer and editor um last night or the night before and she was talking about soft world building and hard world building and you can have like hard world building where you're like delving into the the geopolitical scene of things and that's like that's your jam you really want to get into the game of thrones of right. it or you can just have like nope in this world we have elves and in this world we have dragons and uh, we don't have dwarves cool and seen and, and then people go for it and i'm like yes right that's that's yeah what i want like it's it's fun to play with those things but i don't want to have to have a wikipedia article in the back of the comic that explains um why there are aliens that eat emotions in negative space i just sort of want to set totally. it up and let it go and if you can if you can believe that there are aliens you can believe that they eat emotions if you can mm-hmm. um, believe that centuries and centuries have passed and the world has, has gone to seed and the seed has then frozen you can probably believe that enough um changes have occurred that maybe strange dragon creatures get around and if you see them right. on the page and they're in the story then they're part of the world and i think right. I, I and i wonder how much writers 
balance that as a, oh, I want to make sure the readers understand it and and unpack it explicitly on the page or whether they don't. Right. And I still don't know what's right. Um, yeah. I, I am, I'm very ready to be like the wrongest man on this topic. <laughs> um, but I also know I can only do what I do or only do what I would like to read. Um, and so the way right. we sort of build the world of Everfrost is to show things and give you the interaction. And I'm more worried about you getting into the groove of Van hanging out with eight, who's this very right. strange long tailed monkey creature then you are really concerned about uh where eight came from and how they were born totally. and things like that so um it's it's yeah. it's such a balance and and i i like i think for me i just know i i think it's like a natural tendency for like where i tend to gravitate anyway but also like when i read a story i think i i like to think about the the world around the story i love thinking about that when i'm yeah. like reading you know whatever story like if i'm reading saga or if i'm you know like watching star wars or whatever i love yeah. thinking about that world yeah i don't want to sit and read about that world yeah. i want to read about those characters you know um because i don't remember as a kid so thinking like, about how do the lightsabers work in a new hope which I'm very certain is not explained in a new hope i was just like yes no. laser swords for yeah. the win like i love that business and i know yeah. they went on to explain it in intimate detail but i mean that's <laughs> Like if, if someone wants to pay me to release like the Everfrost supplemental books where I have like cross sections of all the droids and stuff, give me the money. I'll do it. But until, <laughs> until that check is written, I don't know if I need to think about like where where, yeah. the, where the power comes from uh, on an ice planet if, you know, they can't dig for coal anymore and they don't have a lot of sun for solar or whatever. Like unless it's right. pertinent to a plot point, I'm sort of happy to right. leave it off. But like I'll reiterate, I think there is an element of some readers that go, oh, I wish I understood how that goes because you mentioned earlier, like I like to pack a lot in a first issue. I'm really sure. conscious that I want like a first issue to to pop. And so the, the first issue of right. Frost is 28 pages, uh, 26 pages of story. And we did that and I paid for those extra pages myself for all the collaborators um, purely because wow. um, I, I, I wanted to fit in more i mean that's six pages more than your standard sort of like big two comic it's four yeah. pages more than something else and even within those pages i really try to cram stuff in there i was analyzing the script the other yeah. day and i realized that van living on the on the ice coast and her trying to create the means to get off planet and when she feels like she might have she has to return to the big city um that could have just been issue one but instead for me i think right. that's the first seven eight pages and that's by yeah. design. I want to get the story cooking. I want you. And the end beat that we get to at the end of the first issue, um, I feel interests me and draws me in so much more. This 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 emotional sacrifice that she makes that I won't spoil, um, I think is right. such a greater kick in the guts than it would be to say, you've met Van, you've met her world. Well, now <laughs> she's about to go to another location next month. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's yeah. do it now. Let's keep a trucking sort of thing. So um, totally. hopefully that works for readers. It's kind of, that, that reminds me of something that I heard, um, heard Dan Harmon say about the way that they break story on, mm. on Rick and Morty, which is basically to be like, we want to give you like a, essentially a full three act story in the first act. And yes. then, you know, like say, okay, how can we now take whatever that crazy sort of like, you know, quick arc was and expand on it and make it, you know, like weirder and go in like an even crazier direction with it. Yeah. And I think that's something, you know, that translates very well to, to comics, particularly in, in, you know, the serialized form of comics, like, 
that you're that you're taking this condensed medium and trying to just like really like squeeze it for all it's worth you know um which is it's something i really love um but but to to sort of you know expand out from uh everfrost and kind of you know look at at some of the the more broad topics in your career obviously as as we've talked about you and sammy cavella have worked together what four times now on different books yeah this is our fifth we we kicked off a, a um a, a web comic this sort of sci-fi thing that um oh, we, we we him and i did the the intro issue and then we were going to have a round table of different artists but it hasn't been completed so technically that one is is within there as well because we certainly spent a lot of time world building and stuff like that sure sure so so with Sammy, how did how did you guys first come together? What what was the sort of origin story between this uh, uh, long running collaboration? Uh, that we have to thank the amazing Ed Brisson for. So um, Ed, yeah, I mean we're going back nearly ten years. Had put out a big call wow. that he was looking for an artist to collaborate on what would eventually become um, uh, the Ballad of Sang that he re- released at Oni. And so he had a bunch of artists sort of send him their portfolios and stuff like that. And um, Ed sent me an email and he said, hey, I know you're looking for people to collaborate with. Um, he said, this one guy sent something through, Sammy Cavella. He goes, he's amazing. Um, he doesn't fit what I need for Ballad of Sang, but you said you had this this uh, thing. I'm pretty sure it was Chum that I was talking to Ed about. Um, uh, right here you go basically um you should get in contact with this guy so i got in touch with um sammy and we we put the pitch together for chum and that was such an awesome mm-hmm. experience um and that was not the first pitch i'd put together um but it was it was before i'd published anything so before i released my first comic i'd pitched a handful of minis i'd written a lot more story plots besides those and i'd written in total nearly 60 single issue scripts um and a lot of it complete junk um a lot of it i could strip mine i guess if i wanted to um but most of it i like to think of as practice so and and eventually i i put all that practice into publishing a one shot called fatherhood with daniel schneider who's Mm. an awesome canadian artist and so um, right. around that time, I had the chum uh, surf noir sort of like story kicking around and yeah, got on the Sammy through Ed and Sammy and I just sort of clicked. Uh, we, 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 we were on the same wavelength, I think, and it was just such a joy to work with him. And so as we were pitching chum around, I said to him, look, uh, I'd, I'd been a part of the oxymoron um, hardcover anthology that Tyler James had put together at Comics Tribe and they'd done it through Kickstarter. Right. And I was like, man, Kickstarter is pretty cool. This must have been like 2012. Um, I was like, this Kickstarter right, business yeah. looks pretty flash. So I hit up Sammy and I was like, we should do like a one shot and and put it through Kickstarter. And we could just do it as like a digital PDF only because um, then we don't have to goof about with printing and um, postage. So we could really just like right. get some hardcore profit and I can pay Sammy's like page rate out of that. And Sammy to his his credit backed me completely and that's how dear editor um came to life and so that was a script that i'd written um i'd written on my phone just after my daughter was born um (laughs) because uh to let my wife sleep i'd put her in the um uh, the baby bjorn and i would wander the streets and so um at like 11 o'clock at night and so i was like wandering my midnight neighborhood with my phone like 
thinking about in in notes uh writing this this one shot script and so i eventually polished it up and sent it to sammy and sammy's just the perfect artist for dear editor he just really get and we did it as a black and white thing so you get all the sammy's inks just like popping on the page and so we took it to kickstarter and uh, we were a decent success so much so that we ended up doing three issues of dear editor each one sort of more successful than the last and so as that was um working along uh we developed this other um, webcomic curriculum but then uh i asked if you wanted to do and so then chum got made and that was awesome um and i was like as as chum was wrapping up and sort of it was concurrently with dear editor i instantly was like oh no i'm not going to have any more emails from sammy i'm not going to have any more artwork coming and this is the worst so i was like <laughs> all right I, I gotta cook up a story for him and so um yeah, eventually came up with beautiful canvas, and I sort of said to him, "Look, I love working with you. Uh, I think we 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 make really good you know pages together. Have a look at this this story, mm-hmm. um, beautiful canvas, and see if you want to put a pitch together." And he was sort of down instantly, which I was so excited about. And um, I submitted right. it to Black Mask through like the the blind submissions page that they have on their site. And, um, yeah, yeah. Within, within a week, uh, Matt Pozzolo uh, reached out to me and was like, hey, this looks really good. Hey, I'd, I'd already read Negative Space, which I wrote at Dark Horse. He's like, I love that book. Um, let's get on the phone. And so it was, you know, comics take forever, right? We we know that. It's like right. the longest labor yeah. of love. Beautiful Canvas from like Go to Woe was probably like a two-year trot, the whole thing from inception to like getting the trade Holy out. Shit. Yeah, it was like, wow. Man, I tell you what, Everfrost is not that quick. <laughs> Everfrost has been <laughs> ages. Yeah. I must have started writing Everfrost in 2017, I want to say. Maybe. Wow. Well, I was, but no, that's probably the script. Sorry. I've probably started breaking the story in 2016 because um, I remember um, I was starting to put it together with the hopes of doing it with Sammy because I knew, uh, you right. know, Beautiful Canvas is going to end in four issues and what am I going to do? I right. want to work with Sammy. So um, yeah. I was starting to put that idea together again. But Sammy has gone off and done um, Abbott at Boom with right. uh, Salad and Ahmed and then he's done, uh, uh, was it Machine Gun Wizards with Christian Ward? Yeah, yeah. Which um, which was awesome. And I'd, I'd oh, yeah. from memory, I had sent Christian... Sammy had put a thing up online. Uh, sorry, um, Christian put a thing up online saying, oh, I'd, you know, I'm an artist, but I'm going to write something, but I need some artists too because I can't draw this thing. And I'd sent Christian a, right. um, a message being like, uh, you should you should look at Sammy because Christian had done the, um, the variant cover for Beautiful Canvas 1 which was right. gorgeous. And so I was like, you should, you should, Beautiful, you know, yeah. Sammy's good, check him out. And so then, yeah, they went to Dark Horse and did that. And then Sammy also did um, Undone with Blood, Undone by Blood, sorry, um, with Lonnie Naylor oh, yeah, and Zach Thompson. So doing all of those um, meant that Everfrost was like his on the side project. And to Sammy's, <laughs> right. like, again, credit, Sammy just sort of like was like, no, 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 like Everfrost is getting made, dude. Like this is, right. this is a story I love. So it's been really cool to, just always know it was going to come out, but we're like Sammy's like drawn all four issues where we're ready to roll. Um, and now I'm That's sort of amazing. at that phase where I go, Oh, I actually don't have my next Sammy Cavella project lined up. And there, <laughs> there is a hole, a big hole in my heart. <laughs> Man, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things um, that I want to ask about there. I mean, firstly, like it, it's, it's crazy to hear that a, a black mask book particularly uh, was, was, you know, started and done within two years because i feel like every time i talk to someone about and and to their credit you know i i really like 
Black Mask. I think most of their books are, are amazing. Um, but it feels like most of their books take a very long time from, yeah. you know, inception all the way through, you know, publication. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's interesting hearing how fast the, the beautiful canvas came out. Um, tell me a bit about though, the, the, the pitching process. So, you know, for beautiful canvas, for instance, what, what all did you guys sort of put together and what did you want to make sure that you worked out and emphasized and, and what do you feel like your pitch there, uh, uh, really did effectively? Oh yeah. Pitching man, pitching is the, the worst. I, especially when I started like making comics, I was like, cool, how do you pitch a comic? And you could, I couldn't even find pitches online. It was, right. um, it seemed so nebulous to me. But, of course, publishers say we want a cover, we want, like, five pages, we want a synopsis, all that sort of right. stuff. But I was like, yeah, but how do I do that all well? And so, um, like, two things probably helped me to the, the current pitching process I have. One is um, mm-hmm. Curtis J. Weeb, who wrote um, Green Wake, which is, like, one of my right. favorite comics of all time. It's phenomenal. Um, he he shared his um, pitch for another book, The Intrepids, that he did with Scott Kowalczyk. He shared that pitch right. with me uh, in like 2008 or nine, And um, it was like, well, this is how I order things. You know, I put a cover and then I'll have like, I can't remember. Actually, I can't remember his specific order, um, whether it's like all the, whether it's the five pages and then you get the story synopsis and then the character stuff. But he was like, this is how I basically like put it together, like a sort of like 16 page or uh, probably less than that, probably a 12 page ash can. So I was like, all right, cool. And so right. I started like modeling my pitches off that. And eventually I ended up pitching some stuff to Vertigo and they have a really specific like um, pitch packet that they want you to fit against. And it's bloody good. Like it's, it's a cracker. So I was like, all right, this is, this is how I'm going to structure all the synopsis type stuff. And I've, I've stuck with that ever since. And that was how I put it together for beautiful canvas. So we had the cover, um, which I think every time I pitch with a cover for Sammy, he ends up going, no, now that we're printing it, I have a better idea and doing a new cover because he can't help himself. But we had the cover and we had the five pages. Um, And then, yeah, so what we do is we have like a little like log line and then we detail like what the the hook of the story is. So like what's really going to like sell it. Um, We'll put Mm -hmm. in like a part of the pitch where we write down like, kind of like who is this pitch for like what sort of reader is this to find a home with and then we'll write down um i actually write down the characters and roughly what their arc is so i kind of say this is a person Mm -hmm. who is this but slowly learns to uh become something else um as most stories force characters to become um and then we'll have the synopsis and i'll try my best to write it as succinctly as possible (laughs) but as you can tell right I'm not a succinct guy. So my writing, yeah, my writing matches that. And so I'm really like, that's the part I hate having to like go, yeah. All right. I'm going to just boil this story down. Cause I constantly want to say, yeah, but then this bit happens and it's important for this. And you sort of have to go, no, no, no. Like stay on target. The editor wants to read it in as short amount of time as possible. And if it's any good, you can hook them really quickly. So we had all of that stitched into a PDF and, and sent it through, um, and that was how we pitched that. Whereas with Everfrost, um, from memory, beautiful canvas had gone well, and Pozzolo had said, "You know what? What are you? What are you working on next? What do you want to do next?" Um, and right. I had a phone call with him, and we talked about Eternal, which was a graphic novel mm-hmm. I did through Black Mask with Eric Savatsky. And I said, "Oh, Eric yeah. and I have been working on this thing for like a year and a half already." Um, and I said, "And Everfrost is this story that I'm chatting with with Sammy about." Uh, working up a pitch or whatever, but here's what the story is about. And Pozzolo was like, mm-hmm. yeah, these sound great. Let's, let's do them. 
And so it's then just been a long road, not for Eternal, that took about another year for Eric to finish, <laughs> um, but then Everfrost has, uh, has, has waited until 2021, just the right time to yeah. to, to, to Got to find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's hope so. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's really interesting to hear about. Yeah, and, you, and you're so right. And I think that like pitching sometimes is the ultimate proof that writing is rewriting because it's a process mm. that forces you as much as it's like such a commercial part of writing, but like it is a yeah. process that forces you to, you know, really think about your story and it's barest essentials and think about what like truly what it's about, you know, outside of all the things that you're wanting to explore and like yeah. all that, you know, like really just go, okay, what is like, what is the point of this? Yeah. Um, um, and I think that that's such it's kind of an important exercise, I feel like, just to so that internally, you know, I, I mean, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but like, to me, anytime that I've taken a story that I've written and turned it into a pitch, which like, you know, as of yet hasn't been uh, super successful. So take it with a grain of salt. But like, it has forced me to, to, to rethink my story and, and actually mm. leaves me with a better understanding of my story coming out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I feel like that's something that, that gets a little undervalued is that in the process of like trying to get someone to buy your story, you actually end up figuring your story out more than, than yeah, you have before. Yeah, 100%. And, I, and there's those like, there's like the story like charts and the story wheels and the story three X structures and five X structures and all those sorts of things. And people swear by them and then people put them online and shit on them and, and everything in between. <laughs> and I think you can't be beholden to necessarily anything but you got to use something i believe and i love using lots of those like i'm a big sort of like five-act structure guy in that i love to like once i've mapped out a story like basically hold it over it like an almost see-through thing and just sort of go well roughly how am i going with this can you break an act where you want to yeah if it serves the plot or the character or whatever like there's no like on page 15 must be the inciting incident. I don't like that. Um, But ultimately you got to, your story has to move. And so I like looking at those things and going, Oh, okay. Yeah. And and then you notice something's missing and you go, Oh yeah, there's not like a, there's not like a critical crisis for the hero halfway through. What can I do for this story that will sort of make that ping? And it shows you the gaps or it shows you where your pacing is off. Um, And then I put those things away and then I like redraft again and redraft again and it probably melts (laughs) away from whatever structure I was looking at. But you need to touch base with stuff that to a degree works and and figure out what works for you because Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, stories are uh, timeless. So, you know, humans have been telling them for thousands of years and we kind of have a pattern to them and readers kind of expect a pattern to them. Um, we don't yeah. want it to be so rigid that there's just one formula, but there's definitely things that that make a story work to put the reader yeah. through the ringer and to put them on the roller coaster. And that's right. that's that's cool to figure out when you know what works for you. Yeah, and I think I mean, like you know, even in addition to to stories kind of having a pattern and people expecting a pattern, I also think life has patterns in general, Mm. you know, that that are very similar to story structure, right? Like I think that we all sort of live in kind of a call and response fashion where Mm. we're constantly encountering adversity, learning new lessons from that adversity, you know, and then there's always like, as we go on, especially, I mean, like people can map it onto their careers really easily. It's like, there's always, you know, sort of rising action. There's always like, you know, higher stakes and and stuff like you, you have a family and suddenly like every dollar that comes in, you know, means a lot more to you and is a higher, you know, like risk, like the stakes just are constantly like, it's all of these rhythms exist in life. And I think the stories are just sort of a distillation of that. Um, and I, I also think, and I, I always do this where like, I'm not a musician and I'm not a musical person, but I equate writing comics to music all the time because yeah. I think that 
there are, you know, just like in music, there are, are, you know, not that many like rhythms that songs are put to, right? Like there's, there's a pretty, you know, finite amount of different beats Mm. that people tend to write their songs on. And I think that comics and, and, and Mm. to some extent like TV or whatever are kind of the same way where we all kind of, we find a rhythm that we're structuring on and then we sort of build out the shape of our story within that rhythm. Um, and it's not formulaic. It's just, it's, 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 it's honest and it, and it's organic. Like it feels, it, it's what sort of feels right. You don't want to spend a million years just like on a conversation between someone and their grandma when like you're building to a story about, you know, like a dinosaur attack, like exactly. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And it's, and it's that idea uh, that your story can have a three act structure, but then each act kind of has a three act structure within it. And with comics, right. sometimes your page, well, not sometimes quite often your page will have like a mini three act structure. And totally. you're constantly working out that that ebb and flow in those beats. And if you can be conscious of it, you can check yourself. So rather yeah. than using it as the first build, although that can work, it's nice to um, – because I can remember uh, I must have been for work and for teaching kids. I was looking at the five-act mm. structure and I was getting examples for them for, from all these different movies that they would have watched to sort of show them how that, right. that works. And so I looked at some of my early stuff and I was like, oh, how well did I match that? And then from the one shot fatherhood to like the headspace and negative space, I could see exactly where those five acts were. And I was like, oh, yeah. And that's not something right. I'd specifically plotted into there, but it's just how stories work because you're building to a conclusion. And you're right. Elements totally. of our life consistently do that, whether it's work yeah. and you're trying to get better at it or whether it's marriage or raising kids or anything like that, friendships, nothing remains static like it's just not because something else comes to the forefront and that has a reaction through other things you get a promotion at work and it's unreal and it's this victory but all that extra time is stopping you from being home with the kids and so then you go oh no i think i haven't connected with them and so then that has to have some rising action within it and then you're doing more with them and you haven't seen your mates or you something else or your exercise is lacking (laughs) so then you start training for mini marathons or whatever the case is we do these things as you said we're a call and response sort of society we we respond to things around us because otherwise sometimes they get worse and while while nobody's life is rigid and just follows (laughs) one three act structure all these elements it's just up up and down and as storytellers that's kind of our job to find those find those things for the characters um yeah you gotta you gotta find your character see what see what they want put a barrier between them and that thing tie the barrier to the antagonist to some degree and then just right. up and down that character until they can somewhat find a resolution totally yeah and, and i think like all of our important lessons in life it feels like sort of come from fucking up or getting fucked up like yeah totally. you know like like that learning something in life doesn't come from contention like from mm. being content and i think that you know, stories also are not about content people, like inherently, because stories <laughs> yes. were always trying to crack something. Yeah, like we're always trying to figure something out about the human experience, learn a lesson, like you know, uh, you know, whatever. Like there's something there that we're sort of trying to seek, either by yeah. reading stories or by writing stories. And I think that, like, you know, it, it's all just a, a reflection of the same thing. Is like, yeah, here's someone fucking up or getting fucked up or both, and yeah. and here's what it can sort of teach us about the human experience or about what's out there or just about how we feel about ourselves, like whatever that is. Yeah. It's like, it's like writing is therapy yeah. and you're putting that into the character on the page. Yeah. Spot on. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, that, and that's why I tell everyone they should never pay for a therapist. They should just write comics. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Go to therapy, everyone. <laughs> you need a therapist because you're writing comics. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the 3D chess move. That's the galaxy brain move. <laughs> so write comics so that you need a therapist. Yeah. Um, well, so tell me about, you know, to, 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 uh, this is, this is the moment in the show where we rewind the clocks as always and, and, and sort of go back to the root, the, the source, uh, wound or original sin that, that causes, uh, Orion K. Lindsay to, to become <laughs> interested in comics. Um, what, what exactly was it? Where, where was the first time that comics sort of grabbed your attention? Oh man, they were always around. I have a brother who's 10 years older than me and he was a massive Marvel zombie. So, they were just right. there from the moment I can remember and can read. And I, I certainly did my best to devour them with, with what was around. And so there was a lot of X-Men uh, going on in, in the late 80s right. in, in my house. But um, my, my brother read a lot of like uh, Captain America and I, he introduced me to Daredevil. Sure. It was a Daredevil bullseye issue. I was in like year two, so I was like six or seven at the time. And I was like, oh, Daredevil daredevil is my jam and has continued to be my favorite superhero forever but it's funny i was actually just having a discussion with somebody about my kids and i was like you know i just i love reading right and it's like important to me and i was like i wish my kids read as much as i did and this person was like well how much did you read as a kid and i was like all the time and and she was like oh cool why and I was like, I don't know, because reading's awesome. And they're like, yeah, but heaps of things are awesome. Like, why were you reading all the time? And basically, we cut through it, and it was like, oh, you were you were reading lots to basically like escape from the everyday. And um, she was like, do you not think maybe you've you've created an environment, a world for your kids that's actually enjoyable, and they wish to be in it? They don't need to escape from it into fiction and i was like hmm checkmate all right so that's interesting because i like i've always been like really adamant that like reading was like was like the best escape for me as a kid and it was something that sort of like kept me sane if you will i was i was five when my father passed away um and so that was obviously a a pretty deep cut and from there you can sort of see like you, you want to talk about that initial wound that causes a Ryan K. Lindsay. So much stuff spills out from that as, as, as it could and, and should. And, and you go on a process right. of healing and understanding and just like being yeah. in narrative was one of those things that now as an adult, I can reflect and go, Oh, okay. I did feel safe reading fighting fantasy stories and like playing them. And I did feel safe with Roald Dahl books. And then I jumped to Stephen King and, and, and could just get immersed in those worlds and comics right. was another one you know the marvel universe becomes this great thing and right i i, I think that the if you if you surround yourself with narrative that much it just becomes natural to want to create your own i don't know i have so i have two brothers both older than me and both of them are mm-hmm. novelists and so all three of us have ended oh, yeah. up storytellers um wow and a lot of people are like that's nuts and i'm like i suppose but we've all come from like we're all very much similar people. And to me, it just kind of right. makes sense. And my whole life is always like I was i was in year three at school where I was in an art class and I was like, I'm going to be a teacher and a writer when I grow up, miss. And I did exactly <laughs> that. I just kind of like knew the path. I, the two things that I would want to do was to help others and that's the teaching mm-hmm. and to express myself, which is the, the writing. And I slowly right. worked out, well, if you express yourself well, that'll probably – 
help others as well. Like when I wrote Negative right. Space at Dark Horse um, and Owen Gianni was my co-creator, the artist, um, it's about a writer who sits down to write a suicide note and gets writer's block. And it's like terrible timing for him. <laughs> and we just make things worse. Um, but the amount of people that, that that reached out to me as that book came out that were like, wow, this is like you dealt with concepts of mental health and depression and suicide so well for a story that's about alien monsters that that eat emotions they were like that's really like it's it's helped me through a dark phase to see it portrayed on the page so thoughtfully um i did make a mistake at a con once though because so when my father died he took his own life and so i was someone was asking me about um negative space at uh, a panel on a convention and they were like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's obviously a meaty theme to dive into suicide on the page. Um, you know, what, what was the impetus? And so I was like, Oh, well, you know, when I was five, my father um, killed himself. So since then suicide has been something I've thought about a lot. And this person was like, <gasps> and I was like, Oh no, as in thought about like, like analyze. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wasn't like contemplating it. Um, although I was, but not to do, and I was just like digging a hole and I'm like, ah, God, this is terrible sort of thing. And this person felt, I found him after the panel was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm cool. And you know, the more you, the more you, you protest against something, the more it totally sounds like it's a problem. And I was like, I I don't think I totally, there's like no way to dig yourself out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst. No, My doctor says I have great mental health, maybe the best in the world. I was like, no, it doesn't matter. Just walk walk away, dude. Walk away. (laughs) Yeah. Truly. There's just, there's no coming back ever. Um, But that's, it's so funny. I, I, I hadn't read negative space and now I actually have to. Um, Oh man. I, something I loved writing. Like it's weird to say I loved writing that book. It's like, it's dark, dark stuff, but there's Mm -hmm. some really like lovely moments in there and owen's artwork is so so detailed and nuanced and and just phenomenal and between like tentacle creatures and then just this like sad guy and this this horrible evil multinational corporation um he just sort of gets all the beats on there and that was i mean i i won two like uh uh national like australian awards for for comic making that year with that book because amazing yeah we i guess uh, i am working with daniel shabon the editor at dark horse he really like he put that story exactly where it needed to be i'm always thankful for his edits he was he was a legend i've i've definitely heard nothing but great things about about daniel shabon's work and and uh yeah he's he's someone i should get him on the pod at some point it's always harder to like figure out stuff with editors these companies are like every company has different rules about whether or not editors can do publicity and if they can what type Uh, um but i'll have to i'll have to get him on at some point um but no, that's that's really interesting, and I like I, I'm so shocked that I hadn't uh, uh, read it yet because it truly like is is you know I and not you know definitely not to to delve too deep into it, but you yeah. know suicide has also been a thing that's shown up in my life a few times. Yeah, um, and I I so I also find those concepts really um, you know not just like passively interesting to read about, but like you know genuinely I think uh, very I think they can be very healing to yeah. talk about in a way that people don't often want to i think there's a lot of fear that comes with people wanting to sort of explore or like talk about suicide and so they they decide to shy away from it and i think it's one of those things that like really has not been um delved into as a conversation and especially even just in fiction as much as it should it's often just sort of used as a bit of a prop Um, that's the thing that i I sort of was like railing against at the time where i was like you know you know, scene one, a character like contemplates suicide and then they go on an adventure, they kick some ass, they get the girl and now they're happy. I'm like, no, no that's right. not how it works. Like 
that was the last thing I wanted our story. Like I was adamant from the start. Negative space was not about curing a guy of his suicidal ideation and depression. I was like, you don't go on an adventure and suddenly feel better. Like that's not how it works. So I was like, that's absolutely not what we're going to do. So it was kind of nice to put out something about it that was still like a big genre concept, but was truthful about it. And, and, you know, to a degree raises the, the, the conversation. I know as a kid, I just lied to friends. I was like, oh, my dad died of cancer. And it was just easier. To, to talk about right. that rather than feel like you were admitting fault of something that's completely out of your hands. Um, right. And so to, to sort of like analyze that through story and get to explore the character's mindset um, was really cathartic for me and thankfully mm-hmm. done in a way where it did connect with people um, or at least the people who reached out to me. And so um, right. it's I, I now feel better knowing that that story is in the wild to be enjoyed, but to also be sort of like chewed over because yeah. I want, sto- I, I really only want to write stories that kind of matter in that they're about something. And so right. sometimes that will be the sort of uh, text of it, but often it's sort of in the background, but you can look at every single one of my stories and see exactly what I'm chewing over at the time, whether it's like in the title, like fatherhood, I wrote like after my son was born. Um, that's a really right. obvious one. Um, but whether <laughs> it's something like Beautiful Canvas, which, you know, is a, for those who haven't read it, it's about a hit woman who's contracted to kill a small child and then in the same week discovers her girlfriend is pregnant. And she basically goes through a moral quandary of am I a creator or am I a destroyer? Am I my work or am I me? And can I change? Like, do people change? And that was right. the, that was one of the key things that I was chewing over. Like, I'm different now. I am just a different mm-hmm. guy to who I was. And you try to, like, wrangle that change in reality and you sort of realize, right. well, no, you should, you, you should be different as you age. You should be willing to change your mind about things. You should have shifting priorities. And so getting to see Lon do that, on the page was something that I was really keen to explore, but ultimately it's a story with like hit woman. And then there's like an alien hybrid people right. and there's like uh, pyrokinetic powers. And uh, I like to go like, I don't know. I think growing up as a kid from the eighties and just like watching the, the horror genre was really formative for me because, you know, there's video nasties and then there's like Cronenberg movies and they're about stuff. Right. And don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like I feel like Friday the 13th maybe doesn't have, the deepest subtext, but I also think you can totally read a ton of subtext into it, um, yeah. uh, whether they were going for it or not. And so, like, you, you look mm-hmm. at the way they, they they treat the characters in those stories, that there's gore and there's, like, worry and all that sort of stuff, but underneath it, it's like, well, you know, how do we view people, different people in society, and there's all these cool things. And I think that that's, like, deeply influenced um, the way I look at stories yeah. and that I don't want to... I don't want to write like Kramer versus Kramer, the comic, but I'd love to tell a story about like, right. custody battles. If, 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 if I had a story for it or whatever, like that sort of stuff would be interesting, but in a sci-fi story or in a weird crime story or something like that. Um, right. And not that you hide behind genre, yeah. but just that it's a different way to serve up your dish, I guess. Totally. Mm. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's something, it's something that I, I definitely think about a lot because you know, I, I, I like to say that the, the things that I write best is sort of like, um, you know, hiding some treasure in the trash. Like I like yes. to present stories that on the face seem as, as dumb and big and bombastic as possible, but like, you know, have, have 
something you know very like meaningful behind them or something at least that's very important to me behind them and um i think that that's something like someone who i think is like you know really masterful in that regard is paul verhoven right like i think robocop is is maybe one of the best movies ever made yeah (laughs) like uh, you know and and it's and same with like you know starship troopers and Mm -hmm. stuff like that he was so good at at giving you a movie that on its face seemed so stupid like yeah. it truly just yeah, seemed like yeah. you know someone on coke doing a crazy concept <laughs> but then you watch it and you're like oh my god is this about like our slow like sinking into fascism like what yeah. holy shit you know like he's he's figured out the police state like yeah um my favorite for that is the running man the arnie movie oh yeah and it's like no this is the and as a kid i was just like yeah arnie smash him up this is the dumbest movie ever and i watch it now and i'm like genius i don't there's not there's not many movies that have gotten so much exponentially better over time than that movie where I look at it now and I'm like, wow, wow. That was because like Starship Troopers, even at the time I was like, this movie is baller. Like, and it's clearly like, it's got stuff cooking. Uh, It took me years to realize Running Man was kind of doing anything. And then you go, wow. Yeah. It's very much on that Robocop bent of just like, here's here's capitalism run amok. And I I found out there's a, there's a show in the UK um, like running for cash or whatever. And basically people have a backpack full of cash and have to run from dogs. And I was like, no, 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 that's Running Man satire. And Dan Hill, my editor on all these books, was like, no, 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 that's a UK game show. And I was like, all right, well. Oh, yeah. God. We're, we're, we're through the looking glass now. You're like, oh, wow. this. And I, I must appreciate like satire like that. You can write anything. I reckon you can write anything now. And the last four years have taught us that anything could happen. And people Truly. will maybe believe anything. So I, I've let myself sort of, because I'll, I'll edit myself and be like, that's a bit much. Like no one would let a villain do that. And now I'm like, no, I'll do whatever. <laughs> anything goes. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of, yeah, I, I feel, it definitely feels as though for me personally, and I, I admire anyone who can still approach anything with subtlety, but um, I, <laughs> I actually feel like I no longer have the capability of subtlety anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I truly think whatever subtle bone was in my body is completely gone now. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, yeah, something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so, so in, in talking about, you know, the, the, the comics medium and sort of, you know, finding that, that um, escape and that, you know, therapeutic um, sense in comics, I, I, I am curious as you sort of get older and, and you find comics to be sort of, you know, and just writing in general to be the thing that you're aspiring toward. Mm. Who are the the creators that you've found to be the most um, influential on your work over, over all the years? Yeah. There's like, there's the big touchstone ones, which is like Philip K. Dick is like, uh, like he just, he just balanced that. I, I want to say beating heart, but broken heart under like, like these weird sci-fi concepts. I love the balance that he put into so many of his novels. Um, and other big ones with them would be like, like the pacing of, of Frank Miller stories. Um, the mm-hmm. Ed Brubaker, Brian K. Vaughan stuff is always going to really stand out as, as something right. that's well helped shape where I am. Um, certainly, growing up on 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 the cinema of like Cronenberg and Scorsese and um, John Carpenter really built a lot of the foundational blocks. Um, whereas mm-hmm. now um, I look to people like uh, Lonnie Nadler is, is a mate of mine whose books are just so independently thoughtful, like Black right. Stars Above and Undone by Blood, stuff like that, where I'm like, he, he writes 
in a way that I, with an intellect and an eye that I wish I could do. And I always feel like that pushes me ahead. Um, right. Someone like uh, Paul Aller is another good mate of mine who's mm. creator own stuff is so, so thoughtful and so nuanced and so um, like emotional, but like Tet was a Vietnam War story and he's doing Hollow Heart at the moment, which is this sort of like robot sci-fi captive story, but it's just so genuine like he really opens himself up on the page and i i love that and he does it in a way where he knows the comic medium like he's a real like master of how to get things onto the page i love reading all of his stuff to the point where he's just like i think it's wrapping up now but he's had this run on gi joe and i I love gi joe as a kid as well man but not as like not as anything except like a one layer thing from, from childhood, but he's had this run that was just like, he had this awesome issue all about PTSD that was so insanely well put together and, um, and thought through. And, um, I love stuff like that. That's the sort of stuff that really like opens my eyes. And so when I sit down, I'm just constantly asking myself, like, is my story really about something? Have I got something to say in this story? Because, you know, you're going to take up shelf space next to people that are doing phenomenal work and stuff that you look up to and you want to at least pretend like you're earning your spot on the shelf near what they're able to put together. Um, Yeah. It's always, it's always, there's, um, but then there's stuff like so there's a there's a there's an Aussie creator Tatiana Davidson who does these really mm-hmm. freaky horror comics and they're mm-hmm. just genius like they are just utter genius and it's interesting I can look at something like that and just know I could never do it like I just <laughs> don't have that in me and so I can sure, take that level of craft as inspiration and her ability to um, like pace the page and get tone onto the page but i I don't know that i have like a hard horror story in me so sometimes you're sort of looking for just one or two slices of something out of someone's work to be able to go that's that's what i'm going to sit with for a while and really think about yeah no it's it's it is so interesting how like what you can find in the works of people who like you like who are just so different from your voice and your your sensibilities like it's, it's really fascinating what you can mine from that stuff where it's like, yeah, I'm never going to like tell a story in the same way that like, you know, like Tilly Walden does, yeah. for instance, like the way she tells stories are completely different than I ever will. But oh, my God, do I love them? And oh, my God, have I learned so much from, them. you know, like, yeah, truly. that's the thing. Your, your, your brain is is cooking like um uh, uh, Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. I could oh, yeah. never Jesus. write that. I am I am yeah. not not smart enough nor good enough to do that, but I can sort of like <laughs> I can look at some of those pages and be like, all right, why is this hitting me? Why is this hitting me? All right, how can I how can I take that and put it into one of my stupid ideas? All right. And and, yeah. and make notes on it. And so yeah, I think that like even like I love Ed Brubaker's work, but I don't know that I could ever do something that would be like so, like it. It's uh, another indie creator is Ryan Ferrier, who did stuff um, like uh, the Dave books and a Tiger Lawyer, which I insanely love. And he's just <laughs> such a funny guy, and it comes across right. on the page, even if he's not writing a comedy. And I look at my stuff, and I'm like, man, I am not a funny guy, and <laughs> it does not come across on the page. And I'm like, and that's cool. All right, I got to work out like 
I remember reading years ago, someone had said, like, if you want to break into, you know, any creative medium, you need to ask yourself, what is it that you offer that no one else does? And I remember right. thinking about that for like a year and being like, oh man, like nothing, it can nothing be my answer. What do I do now? And I really had you, you got to sit with it for a while and be like, all right, what, what, what can I do that? And you, there, obviously there's, you could say there's something you do and someone will find someone else who's also doing it, but you have to sort of say of like, what is unique in how I bring stories together and what's, so that, that I should steer into that skid ostensibly. Right. And does that, does that make you feel kind of, like at least at least to me what it seems like from when i hear um when i hear writers that i that i greatly admire talk about storytelling mm. what it seems like to me is that there is an important element of the process that doesn't get often get get talked about too much and that is just like emotional self-awareness yeah to like kind of know not only just knowing what you're going through but like knowing why you do the things you do, you know, how the things that you're doing are responses to other things that happen to you or like uh, other things like that. I mean, is that, do you spend a lot of, like, do you meditate or anything? Do you have any like sort of rituals that you do that, that, you know, sort of help mine that self-awareness and, and help you recognize and center yourself a bit more? I wish I could meditate. I tried it at the start of last year and I just found, mm-hmm. I kept thinking about story and stuff like that i was like right well i'll get up at 6 a.m and i'll meditate and i was like oh no i'm just sitting here thinking about like what i want to write so then i was like well maybe i'll just uh i'll meditate through some kind of like pseudo yoga stuff and it basically just morphed into me just exercising in the morning and listening to podcasts and i was like all right that wasn't going to work but i'm married (laughs) uh to a nurse and she uh she's had an awesome career when i met her she was uh um a, a scrub nurse for a plastic surgeon. So it was like mm-hmm. phenomenally, it, it was, I married into the world of nip tuck and then she, <laughs> she, she swerved and now she's like a, a counselor for um, like teenagers in distress and stuff like that. So I'm Amazing. married to a counselor, um, which wow. you think would equal free counseling, but uh, she knows when I'm trying to get it. <laughs> it's it's like, nope, nope. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not counseling you. And I'm like, ah, I nearly got it. But she's very smart. <laughs> And knows a lot of stuff. Sure. So I will just sort of ask, well, you know, what's been happening at work? No names or anything like that. But, you know, what are some interesting things or whatever? And then I try to, like, think about that. Um, and so, yeah, through our marriage of over a decade, I can hugely see I've, I've, I've grown in those aspects of being able to critically reflect and being self-aware and analyzing and checking myself and, and, and working out why I do things, which as, as a fella before I met her, I never would have thought about those things at all. Um, but now I can sort of see, Oh, this causes this, which causes this reaction. And here's why I don't need this reaction, all that sort of stuff. And getting that mental strength, I think helps you as a storyteller immensely because then you can think, right, well, you know, you're always asking yourself, why is this character doing that? Why would they enter that room? Does that make any sense whatsoever? Why would they go across town? Why would they hold on to this thing in the story? And you have to sort of go, well, yeah, well, it's because they're this type of person. And why are they this type of person? Oh, well, it's because this happened. And so like even in Everfrost, we have this flashback, this two page, I think it is sequence or maybe three um, Mm -hmm. that show like a critical moment in Van's past that informs everything that she's doing um, moving forward. And I was rereading um, the fourth script, the finale, and a character says something about Van that you're like, oh, yeah, that's not stated at all throughout it, but it makes sense that someone right. else has noticed it. 
And it's right. not something that I like, uh, it's not a big thing or anything, but it's not something I'd use to sell the book or anything. But when you hear it at the end, it's like, even as I read it, I was like, ah, oh, that's awesome that that character's noticed that because it's not the obvious. It's, it's the equivalent of looking at someone who's smiling and laughing all the time and being like, you know, that person's incredibly depressed, right? And everyone else is like, no, no, they're alive at the party. And you're like, are they? Are they really though? And so that character gets to have that insight, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." Like we're 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 still un, unfurling the 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 flower of this character and showing more of them. And so, right. you know, if writing is therapy and narrative is character change, I mean, think about how hard it is right. to make people change in the real world. Like it's it either takes catastrophe or a shitload of therapy or both <laughs> in different yeah. orders. And so you're doing that for all these characters on the page and you have to sort of be able to work out, well, what would cause them to to swerve across like that? Like with Lon Isley and Beautiful Canvas, it's it's a confluence of her girlfriend's pregnant, she's hired to kill a small kid and there had been another child that had died on a job recently and mm-hmm. those three things all sort of have to inform themselves to make, her change because the 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 thing that i discussed with sammy and with my editor dan hill about beautiful canvas was you know she's she's a contract killer like she's been a hit woman for a while why would she suddenly care about life like to have that job you have to have a mindset and i was like yes very true so if you've been doing this for let's say 10 years it's not just going to take one little thing for you to go you know what i've killed scores of people but suddenly I got a conscience. It's like, no, 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 no one, no one, no one does that. Either they had a conscience the whole time and they've been battling with it. Why would you stay in that job for 10 years if you were, or were you pretty stone cold in a way that wasn't just like, you don't care, but in a way that you were closed off and having a child is going to break you open in the biggest emotional way because spoiler alert having a child breaks you open in the hugest emotional way like it's one of the (laughs) the hugest catalysts anyone's life could have and that was something i had to reckon with in that i was i was great at being a very closed uh chest of emotions i was awesome at that um and it was having kids where you sort of go oh no I have to confront emotions and I'm not going to be in control of them because they're going to be reactive to whatever this little human does. And I like being in control. So then you have to like go through all of these things. And so to, 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 to do that personally is great. And to do it through a character is great. And hopefully to show it through a character, maybe someone else reads that and goes, Oh, I can see myself in that character. Not because I'm a hit woman. I don't know what our hit woman demographic, uh, uh, depth was in the market <laughs> um but you see something in there and you go ah got it and so that's like that's the that's the cool flow on effect of narratives um right. I, I will certainly say i don't think it makes me a, a master of psychology or like i still have plenty of flaws in that area but you you, you want to work through it and you want to think about it more and that's just progression. That's just like slow character development for yourself and then for the characters in your story, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, that, that makes totally total sense. I'm I'm curious in, in, in talking about that, you know, like just all these things that inform, you know, your, your writing and your character work. I, I'm curious which stage of the writing process in comics feels like it comes the most naturally to you and which one do you find yourself having to fight the most? I think the the initial 
like gleeful world building is is kind of fun because you like Mm -hmm. the way i do it is i just keep asking myself questions um Mm -hmm. and i go down a lot of rabbit holes that then don't eventuate like there's like a whole city in everfrost that i was going into and big stuff was going to happen there and then we just didn't go there like the story just went another way and 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 needed to and deserved to um but i like that i like that process of having a notebook and 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 getting away from the internet and just being like all right where where would they go next what are their options they could go to a city they could go to a forest they go to the beach all right why would they go to any of those what's going to draw them there um it's always like just fun um it feels there's a little part of me that's always like it feels unproductive because you can write 10 pages and only use two of them. And just there's a little sure. part of me that's like, damn it, those other pages were wasted, but they're not. It's like, you know, it's part of the process. And we my again, Dan, yeah, my it's, it's sculpting. You're sort of taking. It. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're sculpting down from the block. And so, yeah, you got to put a lot of clay down there. Otherwise, you're just you're going to run out. Like, yeah, really. that's the thing. And you got to like uh, dig, dig, dig until you get to what what you're like what feels right and what feels earned um but you got to trust the process yeah you got to believe that totally it's it's worked before it'll work again and it'll change every time and that's cool so i like that part um and i kind of like the scripting um which i'm sure and i'll add the caveat and everyone will go yeah no shit i like the scripting when it's flowing (laughs) but sometimes (laughs) I'm aware it'll take me like three nights to write this one page because I just keep sort of like coming back to it. And I'm stubborn mm-hmm. in that I will write in page order um, just because I I just feel like I need to bear down on it and just uh, not help myself. So uh, it's probably not the, right. the smartest way to do it. But I always feel like once the page is broken, I go, ah, all right, this and and I have this weird mindset where it's like that page never would have been been written that way if I hadn't done it that way. I don't know. It's a weird. Years and years ago, sure. I used to like I used to get you know minor road rage and you, you know get stuck behind someone and then you get stuck at a red light and I'd be like, God oh, damn it, I'm at a red light, I'm wasting time, my life is ticking by. And then I sort of <laughs> had this thought where I was like, Oh, I'm at a red light. I bet if I made it through, a truck would have hit me. Glad I'm not through there. And it just like flipped everything for me. And it sounds so dumb. But from then on, I was like, ah, good old red light. And if it's not red, well, it be green and I'm sure it'll be fine. And the reason I know that it's uh, that it's true is because I'm still alive. And every day that I hit a red light, I've obviously saved my life. Like it's it's so stupid. But I think about the That's same so funny. thing. <laughs> yeah. When I write comics, I'm like, well, that issue never would have come out that way. If I had written it a day earlier, I would have, re- would have written it differently. That page wasn't sitting in me. And it was going to come out whichever day I sat down. The day that I sat down is the day that I wrote that page that way because I had read a news article that day and it influenced something or my kids said something or whatever. It's it's a, it's the tiniest sliding door situation, but but it's true because you you I might have written a five panel page yesterday, but today I saw a way to do it in seven and it's made it pop. And in the end, you have to be happy right. with what you've created. And so in the end, I'm like, well, whatever process led to me getting it done is was the only way that it could have been this way. And so it's the only way it could have been its best. Um, right. Cause if I start to think, Oh, if I wait three more days, I bet I'll write a better one. I, ah, uh, <laughs> madness, madness lies that way. And I could, I just could never like, no, I would do that to myself, which is why I'm consciously not going down that path. And I just go, all right, this came out just, just fantastic. And thank you for leading me this way. I have a very strange concept of like fate, especially for someone who's sort of like agnostic and, and certainly doesn't ascribe, this fate 
to anything. There's no, right. there's no like actual like higher power guiding me. I just kind of go, well, everything's kind of chaos theory, but it's led yeah, me like it, it all just sort of converges or whatever, and that fate is like just kind of the the, the fabric of the world working, you know, yeah. working its magic. However, yeah, it does. it's like yeah. everything is is a reaction to something else around it constantly i thought about that recently with parenting where i was like you can be like awesome in one aspect of your parenting but it's going to cause a deficit somewhere else and if you overthink right, that, right, you'll right. be like well all right well i guess i'm going to screw something up there all is fraught and lost or you can just be like well i'm just doing my best <laughs> with what i got and I'll, I'll i'll find my battles and i'll pick the things that i that have a priority and so i do that with with right. my writing as well where it's like well i know that i'm not going to you know explain all the world building perfect but i bet i can hit these emotional beats with these characters and i'm going to have the right artist like sammy and it's just going to come out right in the end and it, it you know art's art's never perfect but it is done and um right try to train myself to be like and that's that's just what will be and uh sure. and try to have the best state of like contentment and calm out of it <laughs> seems like a good way to be um, I so. <laughs> so, you know, as, as we're, <laughs> um, as we're getting, you know, close to, to, uh, uh, our time here, I, I, I do want to know about, um, Black Beacon, which, which is your, your upcoming book with, uh, Sebastian Perez at, at Heavy Metal. Tell me a bit about, about Black Beacon. Oh yeah. Black, so this was, the, it's the first time I've really done this and that, um, Seb came to me with the, the idea and was like, what if, what if, you know, humans got this message from beyond the stars that was like build this ship and go to this this place and i was like like contact and he's like yes but they get there and we're like the last ones to turn up it's the wild west out there it's lawless it's a den of iniquity it's horrible and there's actually no way back it's basically a scam and i was like ooh, so like contact leads us to saga awesome i was like this is great i can work with this and he's like cool that's the idea i don't have a story though and i was like all right leave it with me so i came up with some some characters and started to map out what would happen and from there we just got sort of jamming and we tell this story about the 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 ship from earth gets there and there's just one survivor um who sort of like escape pods onto this like it's a dyson sphere it is like the most immense sized like space stations built around a star that you can imagine and nico she arrives there and she's basically like all right i'm here is is this salvation and there's like a local sort of like police officer alien thing that is just like oh no we thought like we thought people were done turning up this is horrible uh uh, basically like every every uh, alien culture that has turned up has claimed like a plate and all these interconnected plates form the Dyson sphere. And he's like, we're full. You have nowhere to live and no one's going to let you on their plate because that's just not how things work, you know? So we're sort of like hinting a little bit at like concepts of refugees and things like that. And so she's like, oh, this sucks and I can't get back. What do I do? And so then we sort of follow her and we follow a larger problem that starts to occur and it was really cool to like world build it with um sebastian especially because it's such an exceptionally expansive world that i was like well there's no way we can get to all of it but we know right most of it and we talk through the parts that you definitely need um and it's just like huge like sci-fi sci-fi stuff real aliens sci-fi type stuff and his artwork yeah. in it is just stunning. His colors are, are gorgeous. And, um, yeah, we've been working on it so well over a year now and, and are well into it. And it's going to oh, run wow. over seven 
um, issues of heavy metal, but they're also that uh, in in this month's previews, they've also got the they're going to release this in single issues as well. So with a few months mm-hmm. delay, um, so in July the single issue of issue one um, will also come out, and it, it was it. cool to work on a on a story like a concept that wasn't mine, and it's not something that I have been able to like crack that code in the past whenever right. anybody shared an idea i've been like oh but what's the story what's the character what's the arc um but with this one seb and i just kind of clicked and i was like oh i know what we should do and it's been really nice to really share that that impetus of the story and really love what each other brings to it and he's so insanely smart right. the amount of stuff he sends me in email is like well have you considered this and i'm like no professor <laughs> i have not <laughs> I tell dumb stories and you are exceptionally interested. So he's, he's so cool to work with. And it's been interesting yeah, to just I, heavy metal too. Right. Totally. Yeah. The, the, the artwork that, that has been shared thus far, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's, there hasn't been too much shared yet, but, yeah. but the stuff that I've seen thus far looks absolutely incredible. And I'm, I'm so on board with it. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about that, about working, you know, writing a story for, for heavy metal. What, what have been some of the differences that you've noticed in the process? Um, it's been cool to break it up into sort of different size chunks. So we're 22 pages, I want to say, for the first installment, so like a regular issue. Um, but mm. after that, we go to 16-page installments. And so it was kind mm. of fun to to do it in a way where each issue was really a little more like condensed and a little more small. Um, and and But then to break it over like seven installments uh, or chapters in total, whereas the last few things I've, I've written have really been four-issue minis and even a, a three-issue mini. So it's been a sort of different length to work with. Um, but Heavy right. Metal have been incredibly supportive of like us really feeling like we're building a universe within their stable. Like it's, it's, it's right. something that... They were, they were conscious of the fact of you two are building something that is insanely huge, but then you're going to focus on like a character arc and a singular story, but there's so much more we could do there. So keep that in mind for, you know, if we want to do more later or we want to explore right. just like how the concept works with diff- different characters and stuff like that. So it's been interesting to let something so big um, continue to percolate in the back of our brains, but really rewarding. They, they, yeah. they were like, look, the bigger, the better. We're fine with that. Go, go all out. Let's, let's make it like big ass sci-fi, which I was really amazing, like, really all in for. Yeah. That's so cool. How, how did, how did you guys first like, uh, hook up with heavy metal? What, where, where did that kind of, uh, Seb, he, um, he knew okay. the, the editor, um, Ricardo, which I, I don't roll my ass <laughs> well, but he, he, he makes sure that I try. Um, he was, uh, he was, he was like in contact with Seb or whatever. And I think from memory, even Seb reached out to me and was like, I've got this idea, but I also think it'd be a fitted heavy metal and that's where I want to pitch it. And so I was kind of like, part of the process of us thinking about it initially was like, well, let's, let's, right. let's make it a heavy metal story. And so, yeah, really cool. <laughs> yeah. we were able to like land it there in the end. Um, Cause it's, yeah. you know, most of the time we come up with stories, we're certainly not linking it to a publisher. There's publishers you hope to work with. Um, of course. But yeah, this felt a little more directly connected from the start in a way that most of my other stuff is more like, no, 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 I'm just like telling my story and hopefully somebody right. wants to run with it. Yeah, I know. Most of the time for me, like I, it definitely tends to be like, okay, I made this story. And then I start like, once I kind of have like the shape of it and sort of like the thematics and all that stuff, then I go, okay, like who were some publishers that feel like that sort of jives with what they like to do? Um, 
but it but it is really fun sometimes when you know like it's it's happened a couple times recently where like an artist that i know sort of approaches me like hey i want to do a story for this anthology yeah would you be interested in writing something and i'm like hell yeah definitely and and i will usually and i know i talked about this on an episode recently that that probably hasn't come out yet but um uh as we record but like i i love you know in those situations i love just asking the artist like what are you thinking about? What are you into right now? What do you want to draw? Like stuff like that. And they'll just give me just random shit that like, isn't yeah. really anything to do with a story. Yeah. But like hearing that stuff, you know, suddenly it, for whatever reason, it, like it'll just, it'll spark something and you're like, wait a minute, I can, okay. Yeah. I know what to do with that. Like, you know, and it's so cool. Cause you, you end up writing shit that like, you know, the, the, there's, you know, really three times that it's happened with me and all three times it's been a story that I never would have written on my own. Ever, yeah. You know? And I think um, I think that's um I always consider that as like a skill that you can see in some writers, and they just like they 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 figure out what the assignment is and they can run with it. And I always right. feel like that's my weakness. I reckon I'm the worst <laughs> at at doing that. Um, which is why I was so excited that it worked with Seb, where I was like, oh no, I totally mm-hmm. like I've, I've I'm going to dive into this world and we're going to make this like character like really pop. Because yeah, right. I always feel like that'll be. Like, that's one of my, like, downfalls. Like, I did the DC Writers Workshop in 2016. And just Mm -hmm. getting stuff that really fits the DC line and universe as it was in that year, it was like a brain meld that I couldn't just flick the switch and do it. But I look at other writers who clearly, like, uh, like, uh, Aussie writer Tom Taylor is, like, the perfect example of that in my mind in that Marvel or DC, if they're just like, all right, we want to create a zombie story, and he's like, all right, smashes it with Deceased. Or they're like, all right, Right. we're going to do all new Wolverine, but it's going to be uh, Laura. And he's like, yep, smashes it and gets on with it. And he can just kind of, like, match. And he's done done some varied stuff in those universes, but just kind of, like, gets it. I always... Uh, like consider, I like to consider the writers who didn't succeed in that, and I'm, I always feel good that Brian K. Vaughan mostly mm-hmm. wasn't knocking it out of the park at the big mm-hmm. two, um, because then it hopes it, it makes me think. Hopefully, well, if he didn't knock it out of the park and I didn't knock it out of the park, and we both have K as right. a middle initial, surely I'm as good as Brian K. Vaughan. Which spoilers, right. I'm not. Um, but you can see it just <laughs> didn't fit. And Runaways was phenomenal, and he did do some good stuff there. But right. his, his creator own is clearly better. He's better at building his own worlds. And and you look at like Robert Kirkman stuff. He was able to do some good stuff at at Marvel. Um, but then you unleash him and right. his own stuff, and it works. But someone like a Bendis just seems to be able to like pop when given these like places to go in big universes, and that's that's their that's their strength. Um, Whereas for me, right. I still try and like, all right, how could I, how could I pitch anything? If someone was like, Transformers story, go. I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think I could smash it, but I, I also see, just go, no, I think, I think I need to know sure. my limits. I know. I, well, I think it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, and I, I've only had the experience in short form stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I have no idea if I'd be able to do it in like an ongoing, but like, yeah. to me, it's always like, I don't know what the hell I'd do with a, you know, a Transformers story. Like if someone was just yeah. like Transformers, like I'd have to take a while to think about that, you yeah. know, to like even figure out if I have a way in. Yeah. But when someone's like, if they give me t- 
two or more things that that you know they want in the story then i'm like okay i can find a thematic dot that connects those two things and then from there like what's my experience with that type of you know like emotion or whatever and then like building out and that's what gets me really fucking excited yeah um but yeah like if if someone literally like i've and i've had this problem before where i try to think about like if i were to do company owned work Mm. right like do i have a batman story you know like that kind of thing i don't i don't fucking know right like um and I'm curious to 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 hear about that, you know, the 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 um, DC Writers Workshop. What I, I I always hear about it, and I don't know that many specifics about what it was and like yeah. how how it took shape and what the experience was like. But what tell sort of walk me through it. How how did you get involved and in, and and what was the experience like for you? Overall, it was pretty cool. So it was like it was just o- o- open subs, and you you threw in uh, two different comics that you'd made. Mm-hmm. I feel like you had to give them a script and you could get like a, a, a referral letter from somebody. And I think that was it. And they picked, we were the second class. So there was like a secret zero class with like Matt Rosenberg and Chris Sabella and um, Vida Yala. And then there was um, right. our, our class. And um, we just, we, it was like a semester long course with Scott Snyder, just sort of like leading us through it as to like, here's what three act structure looks like. And then the next week being like, and here's what, you know, character writing in the DC universe looks like and all these different sort of lessons. And it was really awesome to just be able to jump online for like, I think that were like two hours. And the whole mm. group was awesome. I loved every person that was in our group and, and, and we've remained friends. Um, to just sort of jump in and just chew on those concepts and you get to like write like sample stuff um, and then you mm-hmm. like workshop it within the group and Scott gives you really, really thoughtful notes and, and you can just see, and I could through that workshop see how Scott's brain just works within that <laughs> DC framework and he'd be like, but what right. if it was like this? Or it was just so like on the fly, you'd watch him like in a meeting as someone would say something and he'd be like, oh, yeah, and you go, oh, right, there's a reason you're in that position, right. yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely right. genius. So I really liked it just because I enjoy like writing and I enjoy study, um, but coming right. out of it, I could just see like I didn't click with, like what they need, um, which became like sort of that 2016 going into 2017, that became like a real like sort of like mental health recheck for me to be like, all right, you you know, you work in comics, you're trying to break in, you're trying to like get stories published and and everyone's working towards a big two gig. And I was like, well, I got in the right. room to ostensibly be trained to have a big two gig and completely fell on my face. And I was like, shit, all right, well, what does that mean about me as a writer and I really had to like take stock of where I think my efforts should fit moving forward and you know you you still have a relationship with the editors there and you're still able to like try to chase things or pitch things but I could just tell like you you can read the room eventually and go oh it's not working and and the only time I mean one of the only times I've written franchise stuff was very early on I did a My Little Pony one shot right right interesting to do but i could (laughs) see it wasn't something i could do forever like it was so out of my wheelhouse and i i love the issue that i did and tony fleeks was the artist and it was this great rainbow dash one shot if anyone wants to track it down but i don't know that i could do that consistently nor do i think i have the time to do it so i'm a a full-time teacher i teach five days a week so i write Mm -hmm. let's say three hours a day and so for the last 10 years that's been like everybody goes to bed and i'll write till midnight i don't know that i can spend those hours 
cooking up all of these different ideas for like a My Little Pony or for a Transformers or for a right. Flash comic and do it as well as uh, Joshua Williamson can do or uh, Jeremy Whitley can do all these sorts of things. And so I sort of had to focus on well, where do I put my time? Because as much as, right. you know, you, you want to feel like, all right, I've made it. I've written Spider-Ham. I'm at the top <laughs> of the pile. Right. I also have to recognize... I love the stories that I've told and, mm -hmm. you know, how many stories are you really going to get to tell? Um, I look at, you know, there are certain creators that work full time and they're able to write like five comics a month. I'm not going right. to have time to do that. So if I only yeah. have 20 more trades in me, um, what would I want those to be and what could I reasonably get? And so I think right. coming at the DC stuff, I just wasn't able to get it to a spot where it lined up. Although I'm, I will forever be really sad that like the character I wanted to write was Adam Strange and I workshopped a script about it and I really, really hard wanted to pitch that in 2016 right. um, and didn't get anywhere. And now like, you know, Tom King and Shana and Jared's have done it. And I was like, yeah, there's, 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 there's very little room to go from there because um, that is a gorgeous looking book and it's a <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not it's, a very open door story it seems <laughs> yeah so I'm like oh well that that sucks but it, it did it had to be one of those <sighs> things where I was like all right there, there's a reason I'm failing at this do I blame DC editorial they don't just realize my genius <laughs> no I do I do I look at myself realistically and go do I fit? telling a story at dc right now because mm. in five years from now i might be writing teen times yeah. and i'm not going to say like oh no i'm only just phoning it in you should be growing and changing as a person but right now and and as yeah. i have been the last few years i could just see that it wasn't something that was that was going to fit in a way where i would feel like i was hitting the mark that they wanted um especially within any reasonable amount of time which was kind of it was strange to see because you know as characters like swamp thing Adam Strange, there's some cool things over there that I'd love to get my hands on, but oh, yeah. I, I had to sort of go, well, am I throwing good money after bad? And I, I sort of like, well, in, in my mind, failed out of that course and got no traction with it and felt like utter shit because of it. Um, but then Beautiful Canvas came out and then Eternal came right. out and I was like, oh, okay, well, those are good things. I can feel, right. I can feel like I have done something really good and important if eternal has come out with eric savatsky that is oh, yeah. a, that is a book i will go to bat for every single day and so i was like all right well that's that's what i'm going to do and it sort of helped me realize what output i can put out because I'm, I'm never going to quit teaching the pay is good the, right. the 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 superannuation is good it's a it makes sense and i don't know that i could yeah Quit. And you, you do you do happen to live in a country that uh a teach that treats treats teachers very well yeah that's as well that's, which is that's, nice you know so, yeah my, my though, union good... is very good at getting us you know the support and pay <laughs> that we need and i love them and so i sort of had to realize well, yeah. like if i quit would i just be writing five beautiful canvas and eternals in, in a month instead of one and i was like no probably not the way my stupid process works i think i'm better off writing like <laughs> one or two stories like a year that I just sure. like love and dive into and that talk about something that I'm super passionate about. And if I was a better slash different writer, I could do that with Nightwing or I could do that um, with like a character I love, like Iron Fist, but I don't know that it's going to happen. And so eventually I was like, right. right. Yeah. Take, take stock of what's going on. Don't compare yourself to other people's 
trajectories. Sometimes right. it helps to chat to people who are in those quote unquote, I've made it to the top seats and realize, oh, they're not, they want to write a creator own book. And right. they've got all of one of those universes at their disposal, but they actually want to write something that's personal. And you're like, oh, well, I, I get to write something personal. I should probably recognize that I could be happy with that. Right. And that kind of helps a little bit as well. I mean, we're always trying to placate our our egos and, and, and our brains. Um, and so not to feel like, oh, well, I didn't make it in comics because I didn't get to write Daredevil, who's my favorite character of all time. But to be like, well, no, I made it in sure. comics because I made a comic. And that's pretty cool. Um, that mm-hmm. that definitely no, was totally. something that, 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 that helped coming out of that. And so then you get a book like Everfrost coming out and you get like a Black Beacon and you go, all right, like things are happening. It's not happening at the rate of, I look at someone like Charles Saul don't know how I can write so much. It's mm-hmm. nuts. Like it's insane. I look at someone like Donny Cates who just like meteorically rises. And I'm like, cool. But they're like, they're the, they're like the 1%. They're the exception, not the rule. And right. you, you shouldn't set your, I mean, it's great to aim for, aim, aim for the stars, you know, but um, right. when you don't get there, you shouldn't be like, well, they did it. What's, what's wrong with me? But you should just go, all right, well, what, what can I do? Because when I got negative space picked up at Dark Horse, I'd been an assistant principal for a few years and I realized I couldn't be a classroom teacher and an assistant principal and a husband and a father and a comic writer all in the same day every day right. because I was burning out. So I stepped out of the assistant principal role and that sort of built balance. And I don't feel like a failure as a teacher that I'm not being promoted. I feel like I've got really good balance. I love teaching in class and doing stuff with kids and I love things that I can do out of the class and I love writing and I love being at home with my family. So I needed to think about that on the comics front as well and go, oh okay, I'm not a Marvel writer, but that's that's cool. And I and I'm fortunate that I don't need to like pay the bills with my writing, basically. I pay some of the bills with my writing, but um Yeah, I don't. I don't have to hustle for whatever I can get, and then make it work, um, which is, a, right. is is an admittedly fortuitous situation to be in. I think. No, totally. I, I hey, I feel you there, man. I'm 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 with you a hundred percent because you know I, I I also have a day job, and you know I, I feel like for the longest time I felt so much pressure to like hurry, 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 mm. and like get you know like I need I need to have my name out. I need to like have this yeah. work published and all that stuff, and like. I, I was talking about this the other day. I'm so fucking glad that the first like, you know, few comics that I wrote, like, you know, I mean, sort of like you were saying, you know, you had written, yeah. you know, so many comics before before you had anything published. And and I'm in the same boat. Like I've written a lot of scripts and I've I've drawn a lot of pages. And like I'm yeah. so glad none of those uh went out <laughs> into the world, truly. Yeah. Um, you know. And, and it's it's a fortunate situation, yeah, where you don't have to have the pressure. As much as that pressure can be very motivating for a lot of people and put them in very fortuitous situations because they feel the the need to sort of get stuff out there. Yeah. Um, and, and there's kind of an element of desperation that will really drive people. It is yeah. also very nice to be able to sort of refine your voice and, and figure out your approach to the craft, you know, before, before, you know, any of that. Or even just like being able to experiment, take time, like develop your stories, you know. Yeah. Uh, 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 constantly without having to be like i just this has to be done right now i don't know like um well, it's it. a very good situation to be in yeah a writer that i knew at, at at the big two had said to me once like i have this script and it's like a four star script and i know i could make it five stars if i had like another seven to ten days but out it's got to go and he was like it's heartbreaking because yep. i but i just got to go oh well I'll, I'll catch it on the next script 
and try to hope that it, it interlocks quick enough. But you can't make magic happen necessarily on a deadline. Some can. And sometimes yeah. it's a hit and sometimes yeah. it's a miss and you'll make magic in the next month you won't. But they were like, oh, if only. And so I try to like see that positive where I'm like, well, I don't have the if only. I have as much time as I need on a script. And um, then if it's if it's not as good as it could be, well, then that's on me. There's no external mm-hmm. like qualifiers affecting it. But it's an interesting way to see like some people shine under that. And they're just like, right. yeah, yeah, don't let me tweak too long. I'll, I'll tweak the life out of a script and it'll be dead. And you're like, oh, well, cool. Yeah. Natural process, go for it. And I think the more you look at like what works, like listening to the Michael Walsh episode that you had um, uh, come out just recently, he's mm. such an awesome dude and such an amazing creator. Oh, yeah. And to see him be like, yeah, I've gone through like a lot of this big two stuff and now I want to do the silver coin. And I just like right. want to get back to doing something different. And yeah, it, I mean, it's worked. That first issue was hell yeah amazing like really really Truly. really like that and so that's that's like that's the path he's got and so you've got to sort of you you get to choose to a degree at least where you right. face and what you focus on which yeah kind of like and I, I think it's really you know is to sort of tie it back into um what we were talking about with uh uh you know storytelling mirroring life i mean i like from the storyteller's perspective right mm-hmm. looking at your experience with the DC writers workshop, for instance, mm. is like, is, is a very clear sort of story thing where someone has a goal that they're driving toward. Right. And they, they're like, I'm going to, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to the top of that mountain. And then that, like, that's where it, it's really going to happen. So, and then yeah. they reach the top of that mountain. They, they get to that point that they thought they wanted. And then they realize like, Oh, wait a minute, whatever we you know, like the, the mm. Holy village that I yeah. thought was at the top of this mountain actually isn't here. And it's over like in that Valley out over there, you know, yeah. like, and so now I have to climb back down this mountain, but then, you know, I can, I know where I want to go now. I know where that thing yeah. is. Right. And it's like, it's, it's that sort of adversity and reevaluating and like going, Oh, okay. I, I thought I wanted to go this direction. And actually it turns out that the place where I'm happiest is, is over in this space here. And that there's not any, you know, like there's so much subjectivity when it comes to it. And I think everyone tr- tends to, at least in this comics market, look at one path as like the path that you're supposed to go on yes. in order to find success and find fulfillment. And it kind of turns out, and especially as we're seeing now with, with all of these different ways that the, the comics medium has been democratized between, you know, Kickstarter, Patreon, Webtoon, you know, like all of these very open source ways that anyone can tell their story. Yeah. I think we're seeing that like, there's not really one way, you know what I mean? Like you can be, you know, uh, Robert Kirkman or the Luna brothers or Tilly Walden, or, yeah. you know, like all of these different like people who are making it. And obviously like there's, you know, Eleanor Davis, like anyone who's in the comics market that like, such different ways that they're telling the stories and having, you know, very like varied success. That's, that's by their own sort of definition and and on their own terms. Yeah. Um, And that it never has to really involve, you know, corporate owned comics. (laughs) That's it. Like Ed Ed Brisson, again, as a, as a guy whose work I love and I'll read his ghost rider and stuff like that. But then he puts another murder book out through Kickstarter. And I was instantly like, yep, I will back that. Whenever it's ready. Like I was all over that. He's, Ed Brisson and someone dies, sign me up. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, you sort of like, and I love that he's sort of looking to find that balance. And so you sort of go, all right, well, what's what's my balance going to be? And like, because, yeah, like coming out of that DC workshop, I could have easily just gone, oh, well, I'll go back down the mountain and go home. But instead I had to be like, no, 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 I still like, I got to get on with this. Like I had, I remember having a big chat with my wife and she was like, let's say, 
all the publishing options you have dry up, um, would you still write? And I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, probably. I mean, I've been doing it for so long before I got published. And so now I was like, I'd probably still just be finding things to write. It's just a way that I see and work with the world. And if I can do that through a publisher, great. If I can do it through Kickstarter, fine. If I have to just resort to just putting it up online or, or, um, tangenting into like like i'd love to write a novel doing something like that and you know mm-hmm. collaboration has dried up i'd probably just go that path there would always be a part of me that needs to be expressive because it's the way that i you know work work through things and it would feel really weird to to stop um it would certainly free up my days i'd have so much spare time <laughs> um but you know you consider that that day may come but for now i was like no like well, if DC aren't taking their pictures, my pictures, well, I'll take my my creator owned ideas. And oh, you know, this publisher doesn't want to yeah. publish my creator owned ideas. Well, I'll go this path. And and so yeah, it's sort of like you're not you're not a you're not a big two writer waiting to be discovered. You're a writer, and you're going to yep. write yep. something. And if that's if that's the core part that fulfills you, everything else becomes sort of gravy. And you go, well, it's awesome that totally. we've got this deal or it's awesome that I got this hollow foil cover or it's awesome that we're doing this or whatever. But ultimately, I just like to get in the office and just like make stuff up. <laughs> yep. I, I, I'm, I'm fully with you, man. I, I love Marvel and DC. I read a lot of their stuff. I obviously read a lot of creator own stuff too. And like, I, I actually don't know if I ever would 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 legitimately want to, to write a Marvel or DC character because I, I truly, I find like original ideas so much more fulfilling and and often like you know whatever i have to say about the the corporate owned characters might actually be less about the corporate owned characters and more about you know other elements like and 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 it's like oh actually i think that story is better served not involving that character at all like and 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 talking about sort of other things and 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 the the direct things that those characters often serve as metaphors for yes um rather than the metaphors and again like you know this is not to say that i would ever you know rule that kind of thing out but it is that thing where it's like i just don't know if that's what i actually want to spend my time on depending yeah. obviously you know it's always dependent on opportunity but like you know you, you have so much fun creating these new worlds and 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 stories and and collaborating with people you know or you know like working on them yourself even and like yeah yeah like you're saying that the time the time quality of it is just so important to think about okay if i if i'm using that much of my time working on x thing yeah what am i taking off the plate because of that yes yeah that becomes Um, the the balance you have to find and i'm more than happy to like turn around and be be suckling at the disney teat when they (laughs) need to write electra like i'll happily turn around but yeah for now it's it's just that idea of where like where do you put put your energy and it's 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 cool to like realistically go out who, who am I and how am I doing things? And I think when I started to look right. at the creators and I was like, I'd rather read a Matt Fraction comic that was his character than his take on Silver Surfer or something. Like I, I, I wasn't waiting right. for his next character innovation um, after a while. I was after his personal stories because he was able to like go crazy and and and, totally. and shackled and to really be expressive and I was like, all right, that's where it comes. But his Immortal Iron Fist with Brubaker and Aha, uh-huh, I was like, yeah, that's phenomenal comics and i'm so glad it exists and so that's right fine. um i think you you don't want to get locked into something like i'm never going to be like i hate marvel and dc and their work and i hate people who work for them i think those sort of absolute yeah. lines are 
no. where danger lie, but I think you can always draw like a bit of an absolute line for yourself at that moment and go, right now I'm not focusing on that. Now, it might be next year. I might have been last year, and that doesn't make you a hypocrite. It makes you uh, a human who evolves. And so once you once you pick right. a line, though, you stop half-assing things. Be like, well, I'm running a creator-owned story, but I'm also trying mm-hmm. to pitch like seven things to DC at the same time. So my creator-owned suffering. It's like, no, if you're doing this, focus on what you're doing for now and then kind of like work out what yeah. comes next. And that's the stuff that excites me with creators where you see them like, go, yep, this is the thing that I'm writing this week and I'm like smashing it out there. And it's where the best totally. work comes out because it's where the best energy is, I think. So yeah. I, can, I can only totally, hope they're focused. that that's what I'm, I'm putting out, if nothing else. Totally. Absolutely. Um, well, Ryan, I've, I've taken up so much of your time here. Uh, and so as, as we wrap up, which like, it seems like, you know, every week these, these interviews go long, but, uh, uh, it's, it's always nice. I always love yeah, it. You know, man, it's I, I awesome try to chat. keep them contained, but then we, we, we get <laughs> on a tangent. Out. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just, I, I don't know. Comics are great. Um, but, but, let the people know, you know, what to look out for. Obviously, you've got you've got Everfrost uh, uh, coming out. You've got um, you know Heavy Metal number three sixty. Was it that includes Black Beacon? No, three hundred and six. Three hundred six, not three sixty. Yeah. I got I got a little slist text yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but let people know when when the things are coming out and and uh, where they can find you online. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, if you put Ryan K. Lindsay into most things, I will turn up whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or or with a dot com on the end. And um, yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, the best place usually to find me is is, is Twitter. Um, uh, still fairly active on there, especially compared to the other uh, social media platforms. Um, but from there, you can find my oh. site. You can find my newsletter that I write each week, in which I sort of talk about writing mindset and linked cool things and try to unpack craft and, and, and sort of like that mental health balance of, of writing that I think is very important. Um, and yes, ever for us, his stands in June, we've got like, uh, all four issues inked and, and ready to go. So we will hit our schedule and I'm so excited. I went through that, that one week crunch of like, after we were solicited to be like, Oh, this is a big mistake. Oh, I've dropped the ball, our ending shit. And I just like, stewed in that for five days and then was like well if the ending's rubbish read the script man read the read them against the pages and i read issue four and was like oh no this is great oh i forgot we did this oh i'm so <laughs> excited again now oh i have all this energy so right. um i can't wait to get this story out there i think it is just um something really like really special and awesome and i think the whole team is kicking goals on every page and then yeah feel free to hit pick up heavy metal 306 onwards for black beacon or you can find the single issue versions of it starting with a two-month delay uh, up in july so um they're gonna have right. a little bit of back matter in them as well and uh yeah hopefully if you keep an eye on on, on my newsletter or on my twitter uh you'll see the next things coming after that hell yeah well, Ryan, uh, the last question that we ask everyone who comes on the show is, why do you love comics? I love comics because they do things nothing else can do. And we should always find something in our life that brings something a little unique. So comics is the go-to for me. Ryan Lindsay, thanks for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Super pleasure. And thanks once again to Ryan Lindsay for joining the show. Remember to follow him on Twitter at Ryan K. Lindsay. And thanks to Sean Rosner for the music in the show. Follow Sean Rosner on Instagram at the 
or at Sean D. Rosner. I'm tired. Uh, thanks to Garm for sponsoring the show. Of course, you can go to garmcompany.com slash TMBC for 20% off any of your digital art needs. Um, and thank you all for listening. Genuine every single week. Such a pleasure. I love seeing that people are listening, and I'm so glad that people are enjoying the show. Um, you know, shout out with a, a rating or a review if you are uh, really digging it. All that stuff. You know you know the the, the spiel. Uh, you can follow me at Jason Halftones on Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow the show on both of those uh, social media platforms at TMBC Workshop. Uh, and that is all for this week. Thanks once more for listening and uh, enjoy yourself. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>